0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to episode number five of the Fanboys Anonymous group meeting podcast. I'm your host, as always, the owner of FanboysAnonymous.com, Tony Mango. And with me on the panel tonight, we have several fanboys and fangirls, including Sam Lassio. Rock and roll. Mickey Mills. Hey, how's
1: it going?
0: And Tom Jackson. Geronimo. This meeting's been officially called to order, and we're going to do a roundtable discussion about Captain America the Winter Soldier, which we were all very, very pleased with when we saw that recently. I saw mine uh, yesterday from when we were recording it, and I believe everybody else saw it today, right?
1: We saw ours yesterday.
0: Oh, you saw it yesterday, too. So we yeah, have last both, all, the three of us have had time to settle a little bit more, but Tom, you've seen it um, just today, right?
2: Yeah, I went this afternoon.
0: So we're going to talk about a lot of different stuff. We're obviously going to break down different parts of the movie that we liked and maybe a couple things that we didn't like if we didn't uh, run down characters and the action and the plot and pretty much everything. I mean, why not, right? That's what we like to do here at Fanboys Anonymous. We're very thorough, even if it annoys the crap out of you. (laughs) It doesn't matter. I don't care. We're going to do it anyway. So, why not start with first impressions? Um, I just kind of spoiled a little bit of that by saying that we all loved it, but I'm going to just say for myself, absolutely loved it. I think that this is either my favorite Marvel movie that they've had so far, or tied with Iron Man 1. I haven't quite decided yet. I'll probably have to do another viewing just to see, but I thought that this was absolutely fantastic, and there's barely anything that I can pick apart for a negative. Sam, what did you think about it, first impression?
3: First impression, this is definitely – when I first saw it, it was either going to be my favorite cinematic movie for Marvel or it was going to be tied with Iron Man 1. But after thinking about it, this could actually be my favorite comic book movie. Hmm. This could actually be like – my favorite comic book movie is The Dark Knight and then Iron Man is right under that. This could actually be on par
0: with The Dark Knight for me. Wow. Nikki, what did you think? First impression
1: um it i absolutely loved that i thought it was fantastic it's definitely without a doubt my favorite movie in the cinematic universe and and well, possibly not possibly a comic book movie in general but it would be it'd be right up there but i i thought it was fantastic
2: tom um i thought it was a really solid movie this was one of the first ones i think in a while that's based on really popular recent source material so i was a little anxious going into it but walking away i think it'd be fair to say probably my favorite marvel cinematic movie as well
0: now you know what's funny about that so far pretty much everybody that i've talked to has absolutely loved this and it hasn't been much of a whole well it was okay or anything it's been just pure i loved it not really anybody that's had a problem with it i was not the biggest fan of the first avenger I actually would say that that's one of my least favorite. I think it's kind of weak.
2: Yeah, I've always said the best part of the first Avengers, Tommy Lee Jones.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what? Probably. I would probably agree with that. I mean, I, I liked actually Chris liked Evans him. as you know Captain America, and I liked everybody in their role for the most part, but I thought that they rushed way too much of the first one. They kind the of X. just went, here's yeah. Peggy Carter. She's the love interest. They love each other. Move, <laughs> move on to the next part. Okay, here's <laughs> Red Skull. He's bad guy. bad guy. Go, go away, bad guy. Like, it's just...
2: <laughs> Most movies that have a, a, a like a bad guy in front of a green screen with flames in the background doing a maniacal laugh usually kind of jump the shark for me a little bit, but <laughs> definitely okay. But I, I think this was leaps and bounds better. They did a
3: really good job in the first one making it a period piece, though. Outside of the fantastical tesseract advanced weaponry part, I felt like it was the 1940s.
2: That, and I I think one one moment where they really nailed the character was that scene when he dives on the grenade. I think as much as we kind of know going, like, oh, well, that's Thor, so we already have a preconceived notion, I think on-screen-wise, that was one of the... I think that was a really solid character moment just across all the Marvel movies.
3: Yeah. It kind of defines for you who Steve Rogers is.
2: Yeah, it does in a really, really genuine way, I think. Yeah.
0: I actually didn't have a problem with any of the period piece stuff or even the fact that they had the Tesseract in there. I just had a problem with the pacing of the film. I kind of felt like we needed another hour to cover the things that they were expecting to cover. Because I never really felt like Red Skull was having any interaction whatsoever with Captain America or Captain America had any real time in the war. We only saw a quick montage and that was supposed to be like, here is where he's Captain America and he's building up this legacy, but it doesn't really matter.
2: And, well, then by, the end, by the end of the first act, I don't think he met a single problem that he didn't like conquer the first try. Right, <laughs> it was kind of just a straight ascent to the finish line,
3: which actually worked for me. I mean, he was—he's Captain Fucking America. Like this is the nineteen forties golden boy. I know who the bad guys are. Where the good guys. The fact that he was so perfect, I think, worked because he went on to leave this legacy of the very first superhero.
2: But I think. So, I mean, a fair- Go ahead. Oh, so I was just
3: saying, like he, every every task he went for he finished like you said on the first try because he was a he was a living legend
2: well i think what's interesting with that is both i think both this movie winter soldier and uh the dark world i think both of them took the task of really trying to round out their characters Whereas usually the the second movie of a trilogy is usually kind of like you said the dark knight kind of the more action one the more intense one i think both of these took the job of rounding out their their leading character a lot more and i think both of them did a pretty good job at it
0: Yeah, we can see where Iron Man 2 made the mistakes that it did. Well, Iron Man 2 was just like, okay, we haven't done shit with S.H.I.E.L.D. Let's just throw them out there. (laughs) Because we don't want to do a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie, which would have been a lot better in my mind if they would have just had Nick Fury, Hawkeye, and Black Widow in a separate movie to build up S.H.I.E.L.D., but instead they were just like, you know what? Let's make lots of jokes, and we'll have Scarlett Johansson's ass, and people will go see it.
2: They could have just made David Hasselhoff canon, just
0: saying. Well, that's always been one of my problems with the Marvel movies that they've been doing recently, is they saw after the first Iron Man that they can make jokes and get away with it, and it won't be bad, and now they've gotten into this rut where they're like, oh, we'll just have as many jokes as possible. And I was really worried that this was going to be in the same boat as Iron Man 3, and to an extent Dark World, but not as much, where they valued their comedy too much. I mean, there's a lot of parts in Thor the Dark World that could have had more time built towards it, and instead we had the whole subplot with Darcy, and I don't even remember the guy's name.
2: Yeah. That's how
0: little it matters. Uh, So they wasted time with that stuff. And in Iron Man 3, I mean, how much do we really have that's Iron Man as opposed to joking around about different stuff?
2: Right. Yeah, I think I think on paper that's how you try to keep it a kids' movie is you can have all these big action scenes as long as you break the tension with the jokes. But but I think that balance, especially in Iron Man three, got really skewed. And I think in this one they got it back on track though.
0: Right. This had a very serious tone, but when they put the comedy in there, it wasn't a jarring transition. It wasn't like we went from one scene where, you know, people are talking about how tons of people are going to be murdered and this big political. Uh, chaos and you know the, these theories that you have to actually sit and think about and then you go to a scene where somebody's like slipping and falling on their ass or something like that
2: <laughs> well yeah. first of all how great was that scene when the cop co- tried to uh, racially profile samuel jackson i don't know <laughs> that was the best work of the movie that was amazing <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well that actually should we should go right into the talk about the action why not uh, okay I thought that this was one of the best action movies that I've seen in a long, long time. And not just for the Marvel series or for um, comic book movies, but just any action movies. I'm counting James Bond films and I'm counting uh, non-comic book action movies and stuff like I saw the movie non-stop not that long ago. Anything like that. I loved the action in this. From if it was a Captain America scene, and he really got to showcase himself in that first scene, by the way. We'll talk about that, break that down a little bit more. But um, whether it was Captain America or Black Widow or the Nick Fury scene, everybody had a good scene here that they could have done. And that's kind of rare. Usually, if they do an action sequence and it's got, you know, you're building up like a love interest or something like that, it tends to be heavy handed. And I am not a fan of those. Movies where, say, like a Spider Man movie, where you would have like Mary Jane and she's kind of like fighting with the villain, and it's like, come on, Spider Man can put up (laughs) this big fight and he's struggling and you're gonna save the day or whatever.
2: Well, somewhere in the script it says New Yorkers throw beer cans at Green Goblin and distract him. (laughs) Really?
0: Like. And this movie had a reason for everything with the action. None of it, whether it was a love interest part or it was supposed to be some side character or the main characters, everybody was justified. I thought that Definitely. was fucking cool. Nikki, what did you think of the action?
1: Um, I don't even know how to write
0: it. <laughs> She's speechless well, at mean... the action. <laughs>
1: I mean, I, I thought it was the most intense out of all the Marvel movies if that's what you're asking. like for it's it wasn't sporadic just you know ass kicking. it was more let's see if this is why it's hard to explain. It was more intact and it was more there was more of a reason than just let's run around and 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 wreak havoc for five minutes more necessary than we have to. Um, but it was still just as intense. it was probably my favorite. Like, action, when it came to action movies in the comics, it was definitely my favorite.
3: I think what makes this one so good is that it's not Iron Man blowing shit up. It's not Hulk rampaging or Thor smashing shit. Like, it's shit. really
1: fucking hard for Captain America, at a lot of times, like, he's <laughs> getting his ass handed to him. It's really not only that, him. but it's, it's, it's hand-to-hand combat
3: is the thing. It's yeah, not like explosions and like, stuff. Yeah, it's shooting and punches and. It
1: was also a lot of uh, craft, and uh, it it shows how how witty and how smart Black Widow actually is. Instead of her just beating up a bunch of dudes, she gets pretty she gets pretty clever in this one, especially with the um, what is it, the little uh, uh walkie-talkie she had whenever oh, the, she was the, fighting yeah, cell Bucky. Oh, the phone. Yeah. I thought that was really that was really nifty, but um, it, it's a lot more wit. And it's a lot more challenging for, for everybody involved because there are times where, uh, I mean, most people know the outcome, but there are times where people think, oh, my God, you know, he's, he's getting his ass whipped. You know, what's going to happen? And like right at the end, like the very brink, like everyone knows what's going to happen, but it keeps you on your toes. Like, is this the end of Captain America? And uh it wasn't just him going in and throwing a shield and knocking people out and you know Justice America and all that shit. It was, <laughs> it was very, it was very equal parts with, with Captain America and you know all the enemies and Bucky and whatnot. It was, it was very well rounded.
0: Every scene afterwards, somebody in the crowd's just looking at them. They go like, "Hey, let's here for Captain America." <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, actually, what I liked is, uh, I thought when I first heard it. My initial response was, ah, oh, that's cheesy. But then as, like, I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? That was fucking badass. When at the very end, he wants to make that guy launch the helicarriers, and he says, I can't, Captain's orders."
2: Yeah. And I'm like, at first I was like,
3: oh, that's cheesy. But I'm like, you know what? That's kind of fucking badass. Like, sorry, I can't
2: do it, mean, I think that's where we have to get into, though. What makes Captain America different from Thor is that he is that symbol, and that's what he means to people. That you can put right. a gun in his head, and that, that random death – junkie at at shield could still find the hero within himself and have that big moment right he's
0: kind of the opposite of man of steel
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, where they'll be
0: like superman he's a symbol of how to decapitate people and <laughs> how to blow up towns and <laughs>
2: <laughs> well i think that's where this really beat man of steel and and a lot of other superhero movies was that it could zoom in to that hand-to-hand, flipping the knife between the two hands, that kind of combat, but then pull out to weaving between three different helicarriers, and you can really just go between all that kind of action. And that's why I think that these, they're not action movies, they're superhero movies, and they're superhero movies because they have that kind of creative action as opposed to every car we bump into blows up in Michael Bay movie kind of thing.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. And
0: it's so weird, too, that the action is pulled off so well because the directors are the people that work primarily with community so yeah, they go no, from Yeah, they go from doing sitcom TV show comedy about you know people in a college and as much as the episodes of The Community that have had action are really done well it's still funny to think like they basically went from telling jokes sitting around a table to yeah, we could totally handle Captain America and they pulled it off and they pulled it off better than other people have pulled off other movies.
2: Well, I think that's where you kind of start hitting on that difference between Marvel Studios films and pretty much anything else anybody else is trying, is that Marvel's made a point of hiring directors and screenwriters who aren't referring to to the source material. They're guys who grew up loving comic books. And now they're just telling the kind of stories they've always wanted to tell, or they've probably been telling in their heads for years. Like Both those guys are on the record as being huge comic book fans. And I think that's the difference between like a movie like Green Lantern, where the screenwriter and the director didn't really know anything about comics. Like, well, we'll just go read a couple, couple issues and we'll, we'll get the gist of it. Like these guys know comics, they know action. They know what we're looking for. And I think that's, that's one of the reasons they can pull it off.
0: Right. They were trying to figure out scenes for, uh, different things to do with the shield that they've seen from the comics. And they were like, well, why doesn't he do this instead? We haven't seen him do that yet. And sure. I think that the best scene to talk of as far as action goes is definitely the opening with the the boat and from the very beginning of that you can see the stealth side of uh, Captain Rogers you can see the athleticism it really is like pretty pretty solid for something that in the first movie they skipped right over like they started uh-huh. this off yeah. and just went like look you didn't get to see Captain America when he's full on Captain America in the first <laughs> Avenger we're going to show it to you right now and you're going to be able to see him you know uh, do like a shoulder bump with the shield and knock somebody over the edge of the boat or mm-hmm. hell even the scene where he throws the the knife into the hand of the guy
2: yeah it's yeah. just
0: like cap would do that why not because cap's you know he's not really a, a murderer necessarily necessarily but he's a soldier right he is a soldier so he's gonna do that just be like hey yeah so what you, you need to go fucking a knife in your hand you're a bad guy like <laughs> yeah the whole
3: theater <laughs> fucking just gasp when he was on the boat and he kicked that guy
0: and just slammed him over the edge of the boat. Yeah. Yeah.
3: The entire theater just went like, ooh.
0: (laughs) I love that, though. And then that also showcases the good side of Black Widow, too, because as Nikki was saying, uh, Black Widow had her share of action pieces where she looked legitimately like a badass. And I'm very critical of the mentality that a lot of people have where they go, okay, well, she's a woman in an action movie, so we're going to have to call attention to the fact that she's a woman in an action movie, and we're going to have to have her look like she's weaker than the other people, and then she'll do something and be like, oh, I did that because I'm a woman and I'm strong and whatever. Like <laughs> I like it so much better when they just write a character and they go, it doesn't matter if she's a, a, a woman or a man or whatever, she can do this, and then she does it. And then you can just see a legitimate skill behind somebody. Because, yeah, uh, Captain America is supposed to be, you know, the titular star and all that. But Black Widow should not be a total pushover. And that's not because she's a supplemental character or because she's a woman or anything. She's supposed to be a goddamn superhero in her own right. So I don't care if she's a woman. She should be able to kick ass. And there should never be a scene in a movie where you have to draw attention to that. They've done it in almost every movie that I've ever seen with a comic book, and this one was just like, let's be honest, <laughs> which was cool. Yeah.
3: Speaking of the women of the movie, I was so pissed when they cast uh, – what's what's the actress's name? Um, Emily Van Camp?
2: Uh-huh.
3: For Sharon they, Carter? Yeah, and they said she was Sharon Carter. And then, like, a week after they did that, they tried to pull back and they just called her Agent 13. Yeah. <laughs> and then they didn't say, they didn't say her name until, like, the very fucking end of the movie. And they just said Sharon. They didn't even say Carter.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: They, like, tried to, like, pull this veil of secrecy over something that they already announced.
2: Well, well, I think it's funny going into that. I don't know too many people, obviously outside my immediate friend circle who are in the comics, that even knew going into this that – Winter Soldier was Bucky even though from my understanding they were trying to advertise that pretty straightforward because there are people
3: who thought that was a spoiler when you were saying that and like there was actually like a couple people who legitimately gasped when he took his mask off right yeah but that wasn't supposed it was supposed to be a reveal to him it wasn't supposed to be a reveal <laughs> to us
0: right i think to an extent that's okay though it kind of all depends on different things i mean if you have a movie that you're advertising and it's the dark Knight rises and it looks like Bane is kind of a, a hero in the middle of Gotham and somebody goes, well, Bane's actually one of his villains and you go, ah, you spoiled it for me. It's like, you're an idiot. (laughs) But if you don't necessarily know, say that Alexander Pierce is going to be a bad guy because you haven't listened to Robert Redford spoil (laughs) the goddamn movie, (laughs) then, uh, that's something you should kind of keep to yourself. Which, by the way, the side note about that. What the hell, Redford?
3: Yeah, really. <laughs> How yeah, early excited. on did
0: he have to spoil that? It was like, so, why'd you do this movie? I always wanted to be a villain. All right, there goes <laughs> <laughs> there goes the big well, twist three quarters of the way through the film, huh? Two two months before the movie comes out. Right.
2: I guess that's the thing about hiring Robert Redford, though. What are you going to say? Like, bad Robert Redford.
0: Right. He's
2: why? Like, he's Robert Redford. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Been like, ah, oh, you should have been Cap all these years ago. <laughs> we'll let it pass.
2: My mom said that. That's a really funny note. My mom said that exact thing. He could
0: have pulled it off. Well, they they couldn't have pulled it off back then, but he could you have You did like it that off.
2: motorcycle helmet with the wings on it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
0: But, spoiler-wise, I don't know. I mean, uh, I saw it with my girlfriend who follows some stuff when it comes to comics, but she doesn't actually follow the comics. She kind of more so just watches the movies and... Myself, where other people will mention stuff, and she'll go, oh, okay. Like, um, she didn't know bringing back up Bane because I used that example before. She didn't know anything about Bane, and when Dark Knight Rises was coming out, she was like, "Why does he have that mask thing on? That's freaky." And I'm like, "Well, he doesn't in the comics. He has a stupid luchador mask, but this is a lot better, isn't it? <laughs> like, <laughs> can you really imagine Rey Mysterio fighting <laughs> and stuff?"
2: Just go back to the '90s, and you can see it for yourself. Right. <laughs> and he wasn't
0: Mexican. So. Yeah. Yeah. And he was supposed to be like 50 or something. I don't know. But uh, So she, when she's watching the movie. And Bane talks like a, a dying old grandfather. And he's got that. ooh oh, voice, She's like he doesn't really sound like that normally. Does she?
2: <laughs>
0: but with this movie. She had seen the first Captain America movie. So you know. Any shot of the Winter Soldier. it was like oh that's Bucky right. Because that's the dude who plays Bucky. <laughs> but she wouldn't have known necessarily about. What I had thought going through the movie i was like oh well you know we'll touch upon this later too i don't want to spoil too much about it well not spoil anything but uh when they do nick fury's death the first thing that came into my mind was all right if he's dead life model decoy if he's not dead life model decoy or this was just uh, some kind of a plan yeah. and if they would have done a life model decoy thing she wouldn't have had any idea whatsoever what that was so right. i had asked her after the movie was over did you think they killed nick fury and she was like, I don't know, I wasn't really thinking about it. I was just watching the rest of the movie, but uh, <laughs> <And serious>. yeah, <laughs> just like I'm not trying to think ahead of the movie. I'm just they'll either either they kill them off, and I'll know that at the end of the movie, or they do a twist, and then I'll go, oh okay. Like she wasn't trying to go, well, in this one comic they brought this up, and maybe that's a reference to like <laughs> bouncing around like we would.
2: That's good, though. I mean, she's in the moment instead of being real analytical.
0: Right, exactly. So for the people that haven't had that experience to the comics and watched the cartoons and all that, I don't know about the Bucky Barnes thing, if that would have been a surprise.
3: You know what pissed me off about the
0: uh,
3: Nick Fury thing, though? The fact that uh, when, he, when he died, like, I was thinking, you know what? They could kill Nick Fury because Maria Hill could take over S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. It's happened before. And maybe he's not dead. There could be – I mean they fucking brought Coulson back. They could always bring him back in the same way even though it was horrific. <laughs> but but like thinking about it, I remember from the trailer, he said, looks like you're giving the orders now, Captain. Right. Yeah. And it's like, well, he hasn't fucking said that yet. So.
0: <laughs> I had the exact same thing going through my mind. I'm like, I hope that they don't kill Fury off, but there is that other line that they haven't said yet. And that's either they deleted that scene or they threw that out there because they wanted to throw people like me off or that's the one little bit of hope that I have that they're not going to kill him off. And then when they showed the whole underground bunker uh, with Arnim Zola Zola in it, I was like, oh, this is going to be Fury. And then when they didn't do that, I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) That
3: was a good reveal too. Like I thought Zola was going to be like flashbacks, but actually having him – I mean that was basically a throwback to the comics where he was like – in a robot body, sort of. Right. So right. Like, I thought that was beautiful that they did that. Especially because throughout the entire movie, they're talking about a computer program that can predict the future. Which is going to set up Ultron.
0: And that's another thing that if you didn't follow the comics, you would have no idea about Arnim Zola and his extended life. Especially because right. it's like you would never see that on screen the way that it normally was with this giant body with a fucking television in the middle of its chest. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, you know, all the people who were on board that Johnny Depp movie were like, oh,
0: come on!
2: Right. <laughs> that's our whole movie, and you just did it in a scene.
0: But I um, thought that that was a great example right then of what they were able to pull off, where they took this character that's really ridiculous in the comics. And even in like um, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, they had the same basic idea. Of him coming back and he's got, you know, the big screen with his big head and all that. <laughs> and they were able to pull it off on this. It didn't need to be a yeah. huge thing. It didn't need to be, you know, the main villain of the film or anything like that. But seeing them be able being able to pull that off, not only was that cool because I love cameos, and I'm gonna mention this like six different times during this podcast about cameos, but it also made me go, maybe we'll get Modoc we'll M- one day and they'll be able to do it. <laughs> Could be. You never know.
2: They made. I, I think on that note too. I thought they really sold the Falcon as well. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Now, uh, we kind of knocked out action. We kind of knocked out um, going for like big points here. Then we'll pick apart little things here and there. But the plot of this whole idea of the the computer that can predict the future and using these drones, a lot of people like to have some kind of a political message in their movies. And sometimes that goes really overboard and you're like, my God, you sacrificed the whole movie because you really wanted to make a point. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, this one, you could tell that the drone thing was kind of the, the issue on their mind. And I'm so glad that they were able to pull not off. Not only that, but they were able to tie it into what I was originally hoping that the film would revolve around, which was the whole man out of time. Right. I didn't think that they'd be able to do multiple storylines like this and actually have a cohesion between them, but they did. Kudos to those
2: guys. Uh, definitely. definitely. Well, I think with the political message, too, you got to realize that if, this was probably written probably two, two to three years ago, and that was even before the Edward Snowden thing. Because to me, this also rang, kind of harping on a lot of the NSA kind of stuff, that they were combing through all your personal data and information to try to kind of minority report you, essentially. I mean, those guys, I mean, there's no, unless they had one of these programs, there's no way they could have known all that stuff was going to blow up. So I think it's interesting just how topical this movie is.
3: Right. And they were saying that uh, based on the uh, initial little teaser for Age of Ultron, that Stark is going to be the unknowing creator of Ultron. They said that he added the repulsor technology to their helicarriers And that they're saying this computer program and stuff that – I mean he could have helped with some of this tech. And now like what started as just a computer program to predict future scenarios actually gaining sentience. I feel like they can transition this beautifully from Winter Soldier right into Age of Ultron.
2: Well, I think they put a ton of groundwork down. I think they did it in a way better way than Iron Man 2 did as well.
1: Yeah.
3: And I and I gotta say I don't know how it's gonna play in Age of Ultron, but after seeing Winter Soldier, I have no doubts that it'll work. But when Senator, I think what's his last name Stern, Senator Stern, yeah, yeah, when him and Sitwell say hail Hydra to each other, I
1: just, wow. oh, oh
3: I that was like oh shit, like it's very <laughs> rare nowadays but with with the power of the internet, it's rare that a movie will surprise me, and that fucking got me when they said that i could not believe that
1: i actually thought it was funny i don't know why it reminded me of, like this like a, like a like a club not like something serious
3: just... well that well it's a, it's a
1: cult basically it reminds me of like a club that like fifth graders would have and that's like they would like, just scream something like that or like that's what they said like greeting and and uh leaving people just it, it i kind of chuckled to myself Especially because I couldn't take the senator seriously in the first place. <laughs> well, they have yeah, the but just... club.
3: <laughs> was well, friends with Coulson, though. He's been in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a few episodes. He's been in some of the movies. And for him to have all this time been a HYDRA agent, just that kind of got to me a little bit, because it, it means something for not only the previous movies, but now where they're going to carry on, that S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA were so intertwined. I mean, you don't know what the fuck's going to happen next now, that, and that's great.
2: Well, I was just so excited. I John Hickman's Secret Warriors run was just amazing, which is where they drew a lot of this from Fury finding out that Hydra was pretty much the main benefactors and the pretty much main controlling factor behind all of shield went underground, and to see that they were able to mix that with Ed Brubaker's Eisner-winning Winter Soldier, as soon as they whispered that to each other, I was like, oh my god, this is going to be unbelievable.
0: Yeah. I really liked how they tied Senator Stern into there because I, as I had kind of alluded to earlier, one of the things that I really love with comic book movies is when they throw in cameos and references to other things, whether it's a huge thing, like they actually have a whole uh, storyline that they build on, like the dark Knight movies where they obviously were picking from like long Halloween and no man's land and all this, or if it's just a quick little reference out there and right. You know, the Captain America shield in the middle of Iron Man, stuff like that is awesome to me. And I live for those kind of things. And it annoys me to no end if I see a spot in a movie that I think they should have done a reference and why didn't they? Which is actually one of the biggest things that I had a problem with for Man of Steel. Because there were so many things in Man of Steel where they were like, you have these... uh, Almost like sentient computer systems with these tentacles and all this other kind of stuff. Why aren't you calling it Brainiac? And you've got like Lois Lane is a redhead. Why? She's like never redhead in these freaking comics and all that. And I loved how in this film they were able to tie back different things from not only the Avengers movies that we've seen so far, but things from the comic books and things that we will see pan out in the future. So when they needed somebody to play a politician who's a part of HYDRA, perfect choice to go with uh, Senator Stern because he's already an asshole. We're already supposed to hate him. And that references back to a character that we know from the Iron Man films. Instead of just introducing a brand new one and being like, oh, it's Senator Phillips and uh, he's a bad guy. But
3: it also calls back to um, why he was so desperate for him to turn over the Iron Man suit
2: right yeah oh, that makes, that's
0: cool yeah so he has not only this reasoning built up from the past couple of films where you go okay well now that makes sense but it just brings another character in that we already know instead of just making up another one and they right. could have easily just had you know a, a random shield agent be the person that he's talking to but they went with sitwell and Sitwell is not going to be a character that most people recognize, and they're not going to go, "Wow, oh, that's Sitwell from Thor, sitting at the desk." Like, <laughs> mm-hmm, right. But if you are watching Agents of Shield, you've seen Sitwell a couple times, and you've seen him in Thor, and you've seen him in um, what was the name of the the short they did where they were just talking in the cafe to uh, cafe? Uh,
2: was that a funny thing happened on the way? No, that wasn't. Um... He was in the one with, the, with when they found the gun from uh, Avengers as well.
0: Yeah. That was uh, um, I don't, I don't
2: yeah.
0: yeah he was in that one and he was in the the one where he was just talking to Coulson and it was just like oh yeah. let's oh. get Tony Stark to go tell um the general about it whatever it was uh, he's been in these kind of things so they've built him up enough and I didn't see that coming at all I figured Sitwell's this pushover kind of guy he's a good guy and if they were going right. to put anybody in that kind of a position it would have been maybe like Blake or something from Agents mm-hmm. of the Shield and wow like. Even when Sitwell turned and you could see that he is a part of HYDRA, I was kind of waiting for them to go, well, he's trying to be a double agent or, or a triple agent or something, and it's not going to um, turn out that he's a bad guy. And then, whoop, well, he's dead. He was bad. <laughs> like, yeah, sure.
3: Shit, they got me. And well, this think- also has implications because like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been building up for a couple episodes that S.H.I.E.L.D.'s fucked up, and Coulson found out that there are issues inside of S.H.I.E.L.D. Even the clairvoyant, they found out, isn't psychic, but is somebody who has clearance in S.H.I.E.L.D. And without saying Hydra or mentioning anything, you know some shit was going down. And then for the movie to reveal it's Hydra, well now the next episode that airs this Tuesday, now they have total fucking freedom to just show S.H.I.E.L.D. crumbling from the inside. Because all this shit is happening at the same time.
2: That's my big thing with S.H.I.E.L.D. is I know every time Jed Whedon's tried to field complaints about it, not feeling like part of the universe, he goes, well, what do you want us to do? Have Robert Downey Jr. show up every episode? I think this thing with uh, Senator Stern is like the perfect example of how easy it can be. If someone's had like over five lines in one of these movies, just like find that guy. Who doesn't want to be a part of these movies right now? This is like one of the hottest things in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I think it's uh, these little details are all it takes to keep that suspension of disbelief. Right, yeah.
0: and it can't be that hard. I mean, they were able to get Jamie Alexander to show up on S.H.I.E.L.D., and now that means Sif is kind of tied into things a little bit more. And when the next Thor movie comes out, the people that have watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are going to be like, oh, that's Sif. We saw her in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's awesome. And right. That character gets a bump up because she's been more important now. And yes, Sidwell like is nobody.
3: Lorelai is actually the sister of the Enchantress.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So, I mean, door three, you've got a perfect
0: setup. Yeah, you yeah. can have Lorelei pop up. And that actually is something, maybe one of the only negatives that I can say about Captain America was as much as they have tons of cameos and all that, I still was really hoping that we would just see walking around in the Triskelion at least one person from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
3: Yeah. Well, the problem is you couldn't based on the previous episode.
0: Right, but at the same time, it could have been, like, maybe this happened, you know, like, a week ago or something like that. Because time time does pass throughout this film instead of just being, like, you know, a a two-day period or something. So it would have been cool if maybe, like, the scene after Captain America is talking to Nick Fury and he's kind of, like, leaving after that and you're seeing a lot of people walk by and you haven't really established much yet if just, like... Maybe Sky walks by or something like that.
3: That would be cool. But I, I know that um, they did reveal that there's going to be another huge cameo in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. before the season ends. And everybody was thinking it was going to be Chris Evans. But I actually looked up on IMDB – I was just looking up stuff like preparing for the podcast. And I saw that Samuel L. Jackson is in two episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But he was only in episode two. Which means that his next one must be one of the coming ones. Hmm. So I don't know if it's going to be him with like the eye patch and as Nick Fury, or if it's going to be him trying to talk to Coulson now that he's going to go underground and go to Europe. Right. So that could be cool to see. Well, let's... And it opens up for what they're going to do with a uh, Agents of Shield season two.
0: Right, because now like, they can now... have Shield all the like crazy messed up, no. Uh organization behind anything you could have people on the run you could have whatever they build up in um age of ultron if they know exactly the route that they're going to go with that i'm sure they're going to plant the seeds for stuff like that in the future yeah because there's been a lot of things in agents of shield that is getting all
3: tied together and one of the things has been this character known as the clairvoyant and they're saying that the clairvoyant isn't actually psychic it's somebody within shield but i mean there's been so much. I mean, they've got Death Walk in the show. There's been all these other uh, hints. There's hints about Sky being a superhero from the comics. There's a theory that she's Spider Woman. I, I don't know how. The, I don't really buy that either, and I don't know how the Spider Man Spider Woman legality thing works. I don't know if she's too tied in. She's not really associated with Spider Man all that much. No. But I don't know if Sony would try to just cause issue with that. I don't know.
0: They're like, you killed a spider in that episode. That was actually supposed to be Madam Web. And <laughs> <there's like that
3: laughs> but yeah, but it gets really interesting because now that all this shit's going down with S.H.I.E.L.D., Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., now you can actually, for Age of Ultron, I'd like to see Coulson in them.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And I mean, like you said, throw in like Melinda May. Throw in Agent Ward. Sky. Just do, like, you have all these tools now that you've built up now that Phase 2 is coming to an end. And if I had one complaint, I based on what I've seen, I would have switched Guardians of the Galaxy with this movie in yeah, their placement. Definitely. Because Thor the Dark World would have played right into this. I mean you had the Collector at the end of it. And now I feel like it's just – it's out of line because now we're set up with all this stuff about Ultron. But now we're not going
0: into Age of Ultron. We're going to Guardians of the Galaxy. If I was going to plan things out, we wouldn't have Guardians of the Galaxy,
3: period. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it's interesting because it gives you that cosmic element outside of Thor, and it introduces Thanos, and now for Phase 3, when you have Thanos as the enemy of Avengers 3, you can actually have an Avengers-Guardians team-up, which has happened plenty of times, and Iron Man is now a Guardian of the Galaxy. So you can actually have... I mean, Robert Downey Jr.'s contract ends. Simple fucking thing to just be like, you know what? Tony Stark wants to go with the Guardians. Done. He's out. Hmm.
0: Well, we're talking about cameos here and little references and all that. Let's uh, bounce around, talk about some different ones. Uh, Sam, you had mentioned something about a necklace. Throw that out there.
3: Yeah, uh, throughout the movie, Black Widow is wearing a necklace. And... If you – they've zoomed in on her face numerous times in the movie, and if you look carefully, the necklace is an arrow. And I didn't
0: catch that detail at all. Yeah,
3: I missed it too. Now, Nikki was worried when we were watching it that it meant that Hawkeye and Black Widow have a romantic affair. I always thought of them as being like purely just respecting each other and they're close, but she was worried that they were going to get romantic. Nikki, did you want to talk about that?
1: I mean – I understand the relationship they have in the comics, but the fact that you throw that a necklace in, a necklace that a woman is wearing, that typically means something a little more than just a close friendship on typical social terms. And I'm really afraid that they're going to do that because that's just going to take away from a lot. It really is. It's not important for them to be in a relationship together. I understand the bond that they have in the comic books, but that's completely on a... A uh, a work type relationship, and if they try to make them romantic anyway, I would much rather have her and Steve Rogers well, together. In a, yeah, in
3: most comic books that I've read, at least I usually see Black Widow and Cap end up together.
1: I'm just afraid that they're going to end up doing that with with Hawkeye and Black Widow, and I really really don't want that. Yeah.
0: See, I I do want that. Which one, Hawkeye and Black Widow? Yeah, I do want that.
2: I was looking forward to it. I reread the whole Ed Brubaker run, which is where the Winter Soldier originated leading up to this, and they had her play a much bigger role when Bucky's trying to wake himself up after he breaks free of the conditioning, that they'd gone on some missions together before while she was still KGB. So I, I would really like to see if they keep Bucky around. I'd like to see that relationship grow.
3: Hmm. That'd be interesting. I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, it was, it was a lot of really fun stuff. They did a mission together before once, and like they kind of just kept missing each other because that's why she's so scared of him in the movie Uh,
1: okay
0: see i Uh, if we're gonna have two people that are on the avengers team in age voltron hook up i would much rather see hawkeye and black widow than anybody on the hulk or (laughs) the kind of obvious kind of we don't want to say it but it always ends up happening of quicksilver and scarlet witch (laughs) But
2: that could be <laughs> much more innocent this time around.
0: Because it's really weird that they ended up casting people who are playing husband and wife, and they end up playing twins. And it ends up being, out of all the twins out that are out there in comic books and stuff, the two that seem like they're the most into incest. <laughs> it's just freaky as hell.
2: Are they confirmed twins in uh, Ultron? Because I know they obviously have to change their whole origin story.
3: Well, yeah, they they called them twins.
2: They uh, did they after- in that
3: credits? Based on the after credit scene that I saw, it was my best guess is that they're trying. They were using Loki's scepter, and it looks like they were trying to give humans superpowers, but they all kept dying. And so, but the only two that survived were these twins.
2: Oh, so that I, I mean that,
3: that erases the mutant side of it, so you don't have right. to talk I about. I wasn't
2: sure them. if they said they were twins, but I was. I was really excited by um Aaron Von Strucker. I thought he looked great. Yeah,
0: he yeah. looked perfect. Absolutely perfect. But they did refer to them as twins. They said, "Um, what about the survivors?" And he goes, oh, the twins." Uh, so yeah, that as soon as they said that, I was like, "Oh, okay, I know where we're going here."
2: <laughs> well, um, uncomfortable, na- uncomfortable feeling is definitely warranted then. Right. <laughs> and and it looked like the
3: way that they were adjusting to their powers made total sense. I mean, she was just like mesmerized with like moving objects. But I mean, if you watched Quicksilver. He would like, he was zipping around, but while he was stopping,
1: he got really
3: big at one point. Yeah, I mean, it was, was really,
1: that's why it, sh- it threw me off for a second, because like, he's twitching around and whatnot, but he yeah. grew to like, like almost like not Hulk size, but he was bulking up and shrinking back down, and I'm like, what the
3: fuck? Because his fuck? body was agitating, and like, <laughs> he stops at one point, and his hand is just like, like in shaking. the corner,
1: like just gyrating.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds about right. I mean, if you gained superpowers through artificial means, I mean, your body's going to reject it at first.
2: Especially super speed when you have no time to process it. Right. and You have
0: all the time. You can do it really fast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, he can think quickly too, can he? Or is it just physical?
0: Uh, um, I don't know if Flash can, but I don't know if they ever put that on for uh, Quicksilver or not. Yeah. I don't know, but I...
3: Burhan was talking to me about uh, some of the set photos of her from Age of Ultron, and he was like, "It doesn't look like Scarlet Witch." He was really upset. I'm like, "He really wanted to wear that fucking huge red helmet <laughs> with like a big red cape and like."
2: Well, you can't really judge anything until like I'm sure she'll have some kind of like red aura around her. They'll color correct her costume and pose. Like, yeah, I mean, you gotta remember it's Josh Whedon behind the wheel again. Like, just everyone just needs to cool down with the set photos thing.
0: See, I'm yeah. not into Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. I don't like them. I think Quicksilver would have been a cool character that they could have made another, like a sort of Marvel's version of Flash instead of making him Magneto's kid. And Scarlet Witch, I just can't stand her. Period. <laughs> Whatsoever. I don't like the idea of magic stuff. I don't like.
3: Well, I think how the retcon. I think she's just telekinetic.
0: She might be. I don't know. They could do something with like the reality gem or something and uh combine that in or whatever the case may be but i am not the biggest fan of them so when they announced originally that they were going to be in age of ultron i was just like ah crap like i really would rather see captain marvel or i'd rather see vision of course we ended up we're going to get vision anyway but at the time they kept saying no no vision and all that i'm like damn it vision's cooler than scarlet witch (laughs) character (laughs) I mean, I like Kick-Ass, but I don't want to see that much of Aaron Johnson.
2: I wasn't that excited for Quicksilver, but then I saw the Days of Future Past Quicksilver, and now <laughs> I'm much more excited for this one.
0: Yeah, by default, <laughs> this is a hell of a lot better. <laughs>
2: yeah. But
0: that was a really cool cameo that they threw out there for the very end. Obviously, that's set to uh, build up Age of Ultron, but they had a lot of other ones that were put out through the film. The mention of who they're targeting for the drones. Oh, my
3: My inner fanboy, like, giggled.
0: And, you know, they say Stephen Strange, and it's a one-off line that if you're not paying attention, you wouldn't even hear Sitwell say it. And as I just said, I don't like magic. I hate magic stuff. I think it's very boring, bland, not interesting, and all that. But at the same time, when they said Stephen Strange, I was like, that's cool, because it's Doctor Strange. Like, I don't care that yeah. it's a character that I don't actually follow and I don't actually like. It's just they threw out a reference to something. That's awesome. It could have been something about Wakanda, and I'm not a big fan of Black Panther either. Or it could have been a reference to Carol Danvers or anything of the sort, and it would have been like, that's awesome, because it's just a comic yeah. book geek. <laughs> that's all, actually, they that didn't the mention Wakanda at all they mentioned
3: Wakanda. They did? No, I said they didn't. I was actually disappointed that they
2: didn't. Yeah, because that, that's another one of those things It's so easy. To, even if you never use it, just to be in like some S.H.I.E.L.D. tactical room, and it's on the map, because then it's just there. Right. Yeah,
3: in, in um, Iron Man 2, there is actually, when he's talking with Fury at the end, there's actually a map with a bunch of like points on it, and one of the points is in Africa. And I think that's the only mention. If you... um. I don't know where it's mentioned. I don't know if it's a one of the offshoot comics or whatever. But it is stated that the vibranium from Captain America's shield, that Howard Stark found it when he was on voyage in Africa. Hmm. So, I mean, I'd like to see Black Panther. I think it would be cool. But definitely the fact that they said Stephen Strange, I really hope he's in Phase 3. Because I know Phase 3 is being kicked off with Ant-Man. And he, Ant-Man's only been mentioned once, and it was actually they never even mentioned him by name. You almost wouldn't even know they did it. They mentioned him in Thor. They did when? Um, after Shield takes away all their shit when they're trying to investigate the anomalies going on, they're all, they're kind of just uh, Darcy, Selvig, and Jane are all sitting on the roof of the building. And Selvig mentions that he had a colleague who's had a run-in with S.H.I.E.L.D. in the past. Yeah, but then and he that- says
0: he's a pioneer in gamma radiation. You sure?
3: I didn't think they said that part.
0: Yeah, that was the thing that was originally going to be a, a reference to Ant-Man, and they went with Hulk instead.
2: Oh, really? I don't remember that. All right. Yeah. Talk to me then. It's- <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they put that little Hulk thing in this with... Um with whatever sleeping drought fear he took not to get too into the movie plot. But ever since that whole Edward Norton debacle, I'm kind of sad that Hulk just got thrown away kind of in the, he's That's like that right. thing we're embarrassed about in the corner and we'll pull him out when we're ready for him.
3: Right. I'm really upset about that. And they said that banner is going to have a love interest in age of Ultron. I really, really just fingers crossing and hoping that they will have Betty in age of Ultron, even if it's for fucking five minutes. And they have to like drag her away real quick because he's rampaging or something.
0: I hope she's it'll in. It'll be Black Widow. <laughs> she'll, <laughs> she'll change the arrow necklace and it'll just be like a picture of the Hulk or something like that. It'll be a Hulk it
3: be a fucking
0: <laughs> So they threw out Stephen Strange. They had one of the things that I was like immediately when they announced this I was ready to start clapping and just go these guys know what they're doing. The opening fight sequence you need somebody for Captain America to fight. Who do you have? Batrock the Leaper, and yeah, it's George St Pierre, like perfect for it. Absolutely, 100% perfect. I could not have suggested anything better.
3: I like just Yeah, and I mean, he's too. just a normal guy, but like he was able to keep his own against him.
0: Right, and you cast somebody who knows how to do stunt training kind of stuff because he's an ultimate fighter, so you don't have to worry about having somebody who you have to go through lots of training for. He is kind of a well-known person. So he's got some name recognition to bring to the role. And it's not a role that you need to actually have a whole lot of dialogue for either. So you don't run into the issue of him being a bad actor. He's basically just there to fight. And I've
3: never never in my life heard French pronounced where it actually sounded badass rather than a giant pussy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, this guy sound, speaking french he sounds like he's gonna break my fucking neck uh,
0: and that's a character too that from the comics and everything it, it seems ridiculous this dude who's leaping around and it's like well why doesn't cap just throw the shield just hit him in the face and it's done
2: it's over <laughs> but
0: right. you have george betrock the leaper and he ends up being an awesome character at the beginning they end up tying in arnim zola like we had talked about before Never would have thought that they could pull that off, and they were able to pull that off. And he didn't need to be a big part of the movie either. Just, we need something to get us from point A to point B. Let's have the computer be Arnim Zola. Okay, now we can tie that into the comics. Perfect. It's like, this, this is the simplicity that I don't understand why other people don't get when they're doing these movies. It can't be that hard. All it takes is an extra 15 minutes for you to go, okay, well... We've got a scene where we're gonna have uh, a strike force team fighting Captain America. So one guy has to be bad. Okay. Well, who could be a part of a strike force team that's a, in align, alliance with Hydra? Hmm. What about uh, generic dude number one? No, no. Let's sit and think about it for another minute. <laughs> How about Crossbones? Done. Crossbones. Perfect.
3: And they set him up for uh, Cap three. Yeah, Yeah, all crispy. (laughs) 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 I mean, that can explain why he wears the mask. I mean, that's perfect.
2: I think these big distinctions, though, are what separates Marvel's success with the hard time DC's having. I mean, you look at their last two two franchises are named after two of the biggest fictional characters ever created, and they're not even brave enough to just call them Batman and Superman. Mm -hmm. No, no, he's badass because he's the Man of Steel. Like, Marvel just owns it. Yeah, he's Batrock the Leaper because he does this crazy fucking double backflip and can stick up with Cap. And yeah, he wears a purple shirt because not everyone has to wear black leather if they want to be a crime fighter. Right. Like I think there's a point where as you can ground these movies as much as you want. But the bottom line is you're telling a story about a guy who was frozen and woke up. Like, there's, there's a level of the absurd in it. So I think if you embrace it and you try to work within that confine, you can do really cool things, which is what I think Marvel's been doing.
3: But even with all that stuff about him that's, like, science fiction-y and stuff that you can work with, one of the defining moments of the movie that actually kind of hit, not, like, you what know, personally, because I don't really know too many people like this, but just the fact that he finally gets to see Peggy. And you're thinking this is just this sad, oh, my God, she's, like, in her 90s or something, and she's just really old, and they're reflecting on her life and the fact that he didn't get to live life with her. But then she fucking forgets him and you realize she has oh, dementia. Oh, I wanted to That him. was just
1: <laughs> heartbreaking. This, that, also, whenever Bucky starts to realize, starts to try to remember like who he actually is, he says he remembers Captain America, they just wipe his brain and I'm just like...
3: There are a lot uh, of scenes in this movie that really oh. kind of try to hit you. And it's not even just explosions and shit like that. It's really personal things.
2: Yeah, I think these movies have tried to be family fair quite a bit coming up. Like, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that this is probably the darkest Marvel movie. I mean they they showed Bucky's some his stump getting sawed off even more by Zola. Like yeah. and I, I think but at the same time it was one of the strongest ones. And again, I don't think this is if you're I at these movies as strange as it sounds i always try to sit next to someone kind of younger because it's so fun when you're in thor the dark world and thor hits that giant golem with a hammer and you're next to an eight-year-old who cheers with joy and jumps out of his seat it's amazing but i was sitting next to a six-year-old in this who just had no idea what was happening and as much as i feel bad for that six-year-old i was very satisfied by this you can just sit next to one of the people who is
0: a super super comic book fan they'll cheer the same (laughs) (laughs)
2: Like
3: that six year old is going to grow up, and like 10 years from now, he's going to pop in his Blu ray of Captain America the Winter Soldier, and he's going to look back on, like, wow, I didn't realize that when I watched that the first time.
0: He's yeah, going to we'll... pull what we do where we watch like Rocco's Modern Life or Ghostbusters or something, and we're like, that's a dick joke? What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember this. Why did I laugh at this when I was a kid? <laughs>
2: well, I was even just talking to one of my friends about if you go back and watch X Men, the first one, the whole like crazy plot with the senator turning into like a jellyfish and stuff like that like i think these movies will age much better Mm -hmm. speaking of like i think this in five five to ten years will still be a solid movie
1: yeah
0: especially five years because i mean iron man came out in what 2008
2: yeah 2008
0: so that was
3: only six years ago
0: that's still quite a bit of time though i mean when you try to rush these movies and you try to do two a year three a year whatever the case may be that's a lot of time that's passed by. And we've gone from not having anybody other than like the mainstream characters pop up in movies and be successful to being able to do a guardians of the galaxy movie. And that might not do as well as they're hoping, but the fact that they're even able to do it's crazy.
3: It doesn't even matter if it doesn't do well because Marvel's earned this spot where they can just like crank out a slot machine and be like, all right, let's try this. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, the Marvel cinematic universe is not ruined. But like with yeah. Batman versus Superman, if that movie doesn't work, they are be the <laughs> Completely, <laughs> yeah,
2: destroyed. Speaking of that, I think you know a lot of people said, "Well, is Captain America three gonna be able to take on Batman versus Superman?" After seeing this movie, I say, "Fuck yeah!"
3: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and it's not even an Avengers movie; it's the third Cap movie, and they're playing chicken with a Batman-Superman team up,
2: with Wonder, Wonder Woman of the and The war. Rock as somebody.
3: Um, it's got Wonder Woman. I don't know if... The, it, well, the Rock is teasing that he's going to be something, but I don't know what. I mean, there's theories he's going to be Jon Stewart. Theories he'll be the Martian Manhunter, but I've got no clue. <laughs>
0: he'll be Wonder Woman. <laughs> they're like, what yeah, the hell? Yeah, Gadot... she's not
2: tough enough now.
0: Yeah, Gal Gadot's not... And the, uh, she doesn't have the physique for it, so we'll just get Dwayne to do it.
2: No, they're going to do what they did with Steve Rogers. They're going to put Gal Gadot's face on The Rock's body. <laughs>
0: So Nikki brought up Peggy, and that's another thing that I'm gonna give credit to that might just kind of fly by because there's so much awesome stuff in this movie. The makeup on her was really great.
2: Yeah, that was. I thought she was just gonna be flashback fodder. I thought. I think it's awesome that they made this movie without doing flashbacks, other than the Cat Bucky one,
3: and a few like 1950s videos, like of Carter.
2: Oh, that's right.
0: Right. But not but too- just- they ended up figuring out a way to do it without actually doing an actual flashback.
2: Yeah. But I remember this movie obviously was very heavy influenced by the ultimate's run. And I remember that's what really hit me. I know Sam mentioned it earlier. Like those were just some heavy moments, man. Like for, for finger quotes, box office kind of summer popcorn fair. This was a very human movie.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. They didn't need to introduce any kind of an Alzheimer's thing, but they did it just because, Hey, you know what? That's what happens when you get old.
2: Yeah, and they take right. the time to, to show you how isolated he feels, and that he's a man who doesn't really stand for anything right now, except for this idea that doesn't really exist anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And the fact that a Black Widow joked that he's from this Smithsonian – fuck, I can't even pronounce the place. <laughs> and yeah. he's a fossil. That little joke. But then he actually goes to the museum, and there's a Captain America and the Howling Commandos exhibit. And it's like they've got all – are you still laughing at me because
0: of this? <laughs> <laughs> was a funny scene Yeah, that the humor in that is honest and it's not just slapstick for the hell of it. It's not let's have somebody slip and fall on their ass. Like I mentioned earlier, it's let's make a joke that is witty and clever and you're going to laugh at it. And everybody did in the theater that I was watching it in. Everybody yeah. thought that, that was a great line and it's a smart line and it doesn't make it seem like it's silly just for the sake of throwing in a joke. And it ties back into it later on. I mean, it's you can't get any better than that.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that's... A, to have Bucky start figuring out who he is based on the shrine that's dedicated to himself, I think that's a great plot mechanic.
0: Yeah. So they introduce Peggy, they talk about the Alzheimer's and all that, and thankfully they didn't kill her off because they could introduce her again in some kind of capacity in the third film. Maybe she does die in the third film and that's kind of an emotional um weight that steve has to drop or something where he
3: Uh, sees sharon at the funeral and realizes they're related
0: right they were never really saying that sharon is sharon carter but anybody who has followed the source material knows that it's sharon carter and they would have known ahead of time anyway because they spoiled it i'm surprised they didn't just give it to robert (laughs) redford to talk about (laughs)
2: Redford's (laughs) like
0: yeah sharon carter yeah you know this scene and this scene and this scene
2: speaking of the source material the one thing so I try to stay pretty grounded with a lot of these things, and I was curious going into this to see Bucky and the Winter Soldier and Crossbone—well, not Crossbones yet—but to see if they could ever be considering Death of Captain America. Did you notice that Sharon Carter always used a single gun that was really weird looking?
0: No, I didn't notice
2: it. I made a point again. I just reread this stuff, not to spoil the comic, because it's really a great read at Brew Baker, Death of Captain America. But um, every time she used a gun, it wasn't. A stock handgun it didn't look anything like what any of the other shield agents used now that could just be because it was you know they're trying to start hinting that she's kind of like a super person like black widow has her special little gauntlets and pistols but if they do death of captain america plotline, that gun becomes really important so i think it's interesting like, because i know that scene when they had kind of the uh mexican standoff they made a point of showing that when she dies for a gun she picks up that weird one again yeah so I'm glad that they – I'm glad to see that they – I was really hoping we – because when she made that line that, like, you don't want to see my dirty scrubs, I was like, oh, that's because it's that classic white jumpsuit. So I was a little sad we didn't get to see her in full costume yet, but I'm guessing it's just because they're saving it for the third one.
1: Right.
2: And,
3: I mean, Sebastian Stan is signed on for nine films. That doesn't It doesn't guarantee he'll be in nine films, but if they want to, he can. Well, plus the interest mean, counts. Yeah. And if they – um. Obviously, he's going to be in the third one. I don't think he's going to be in Age of Ultron at all. But I'm, I don't know. I, I haven't heard if he's going to be or not. I, I guess I can't say.
2: Who's that? When, are you talking about uh, Sebastian Shaw? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's the interesting thing about, you know, because people kind of talk about, is this superhero thing a trend or is this a new genre? You know, two of the, well, all three of the leading people really, Cap, Thor, and Iron Man, are all roles that are so easy to have someone else fill. Right. If you want to kill Thor, you can do the Donald Blake story, and then Thor looks different when Donald Blake finally turns into Thor. You have Cap, you have uh, Capy, Bucky right there to be Bucky Cap. You put somebody else in Iron Man armor. That's why I, th- I think these movies are really pretty much set. Like I could see these guys at least starting another trilogy. You yeah, know what I, I can... would like
0: to see them do instead? I instead of having somebody else be Thor, somebody else be. You know, I don't want to see like Beta Ray Bill and um, Bucky or something. I'd rather them keep doing it and do the James Bond kind of method where you just keep recasting when people get too old. Well, yeah. But I would rather see them do these offshoots and have maybe Bucky be USA agent or maybe instead of having – if you don't want to do like another Iron Man movie, you can do a War Machine thing. I don't think that War Machine's good enough to have his own film, but – I, I like the idea of doing these offshoots and they talk about it all the time with different movies. I mean, they're already saying like, what if we should do a Groot movie? Yeah, nobody's going to watch a fucking Groot movie. Yeah. I,
2: could see, I could see a Black Widow movie after this though. I could I, see
0: them pulling that off only if they introduce a lot of other S.H.I.E.L.D. people too. Like, it had to be like a Hawkeye and Black Widow movie.
2: And, and then they would can't...
0: hook up and Nikki would be like, no!
3: <laughs> and even <laughs> then though, where, where would it be? True. Like, they've already got Phase 3 set. You'd have to do Sorry, you'd have to do Phase 4. And then by that point, it's like we've got all these other characters. I mean, they have literally countless characters that they can pull and revamp and redo. I just don't see them wasting their time on a movie that might do okay when they can pull Captain Marvel out and try to revamp that. Because, I mean, they've already introduced. I
2: think Captain Marvel would be my number one that I'd want to see right now. If someone's going to get the franchise.
3: Either Marvell or or uh, Carol. Either one I'd be
0: fine with. Agreed. Yeah. Do you know me, <laughs> in,
3: in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they already showed this blue alien. And when Sif, in one of the episodes, was talking with Colson and was naming aliens that are blue, she mentioned the Kree.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, really? That's cool.
0: They yeah. almost basically confirmed that it was a Kree, too. There's a little marking on the Kree. Well, I'm already calling it Kree on the, the blue alien. And it apparently is the same marking on Ronan, the accuser in guardians of the galaxy.
2: Yeah.
0: Wow, look at that. So that's one of those little things that only comic book fans will go through the effort of figuring out.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> Cause you never see anybody that's like, Oh, they're go- They might do another lethal weapon movie. Let's try to figure this crap out. Like it's, the
3: <laughs> and they already, and yeah, and sky was already in 084. She was, there was already something special about her. So now that she's got this Kree blood in her, it could she could be miss marvel i mean i don't know if she's got the acting chops to hold an entire movie nah, i wouldn't say so but if they wanted to do guardians of the galaxy 2 go go cast her like make her miss marvel i wouldn't care
0: but i think that they shouldn't rule out the idea of just keeping steve rogers as captain america and if chris Evans gets to the point where he doesn't want to do it anymore put a new actor in there i mean yeah There's always other people that can play the characters. We've had six different James Bonds, and only a couple of them have sucked, like uh, (laughs) (laughs) Lazenby. But I could see other people playing these characters, too. And you can do the same thing as what we've seen in other Marvel movies where they recast War Machine and they just kept the whole rest of the cast going. You don't need to replace everybody to go through that. So you can keep Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes. And if chris evans isn't going along then you've got mike vogel or something like that that you can throw in there
3: yeah or make him captain america in like captain america 4 or something but then like you thought steve rogers was dead but then he
2: comes
0: back or something (laughs) comes back as nomad
2: (laughs) (laughs) well i'm waiting for the ultimate my ultimate post-credit sequence is in one of the avengers movies we see or just any movie you see somebody die and the post-credit sequence is they unzip the body bag and they're a scroll. That just...
0: is something that I've been hoping that they would do ever since they had Coulson.
3: I don't think they can do that though, can they?
2: On um, Coulson or, or do you mean they don't have the rights to the scroll?
3: I don't think they have the rights to the scrolls. Don't they belong to Fantastic Four?
0: It's one of those weird things like with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. They can't use the super scroll, but they can use the scrolls. I heard
3: they were going to use the scrolls, but then they couldn't, and that's why they that's why they used the Chitauri
2: in Avengers.
0: I think they just used that because they were like, you know what? This is a blank template.
2: Well, that's what it was. That's what they were called in the uh, Ultimate Universe as well. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: But if you go with scrolls, you need to make them look like the scrolls and you need to have them do shape shifting and all that. You have the Chitari, and you just have them as these Egyptian. Whatever the fuck they
2: were supposed to be. Egyptian jet ski guys.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then you can have them all turn out to be machines at the end that uh, shut off when Iron Man blows up the mothership, and then people wouldn't go, "Oh my god, the scrolls don't do that. Scrolls are normal people like you." Chitauri,
2: Menace. Right.
0: (laughs) Right. You do with the Chitauri, and people are like, "Okay, it's just a Chitauri. Who cares?" (laughs) But Winter Soldier handled really well in this movie. I thought that they really didn't need to do too much else from what they did. The only thing that I was a little bit disappointed in, though, was they have the Alexander Pierce character and they didn't call him Alexander Lucan. Just a little thing that I would have tweaked because Lucan is the one that has more of a tie to the Winter Soldier and you're already calling him Alexander. So why not Lucan?
2: Unless they're saving him for something. I I can't see why you would... Because it's what this... I know we're we're called fanboys anonymous and I know sometimes fanboys ask outlandish requests. I don't think that one's just, that's a tiny little bone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I it's not going to be something that I'm going to be like, Oh my God, they ruined the whole movie because they didn't call him Luke. And it's like, well, if they would have called him Alexander Luke, we would have known that he, I just was don't think it's
2: him. asking too much. Oh uh, yeah. Unless they have something planned with Dr. Faustus, which would be really awesome. But I don't know. Hmm.
0: They could always have something up their sleeve. You never really know for sure.
2: It's hard to say. I, at this point, I trust them. I mean, yeah. at this point, even at their worst, it was at least watchable.
0: Right. And Nothing something fair. that would be cool to watch when you're doing, like, the marathon. Like, Sam and I... You, Sam, you were you were doing the uh, the marathon, but Nikki wasn't, right? Or were you, Nikki?
1: No, I wasn't.
0: We went to that big marathon that AMC had had at the time where they started at 11 in the morning and they ran every Avengers movie up until... Uh, the avengers had come out and it was like everybody's already seen these movies before but it was cool sitting back and watching iron man 2 as much as iron man 2 kind of sucks because you could get into watching one movie into the other then they all kind of tie in so even if they're not the best movies if
3: if i remember correctly at the marathon chris urban dace and i and a couple other people actually got up to go get snacks and shit and like walk around the cherry hill mall at the Iron Man 2 moment. Right. <laughs> and we're like, all right, we gotta be back for Thor, but we just fucking skipped
2: that movie.
0: Exactly. So like you said, at the worst they are still cool, but man, at their best like this, they are so awesome.
2: Me and my uh, friends yeah. play a game where we send each other a movie that made more money than Green Lantern. <laughs> and it's just I think I think Green Lantern beat cats versus dogs by ten million dollars. Jeez. And I think the 90s Flintstone movie doubled it. <laughs> <laughs> like It's just, as someone who had Jeff Johns change their comic book reading life, it's just so painful.
0: Yeah, because Green Lantern is a character that's so good to be able to draw from, and they well, just botched the hell out of that. Well, he, I think
2: mean, That's I mean, what really derailed stuff. any of their hopes of making a, a universe that can even try to keep up with Marvel. Right. I mean, at this point especially, I think one thing to talk about this movie is that Marvel's really done a job of making mini genres within all of the, like, Thor's obviously your, your kind of shield and sword movie now, capture, political thriller kind of movie now, like, kind of franchise, that you can brand these franchises within themselves, and they're all their self-sufficient machines by now. Like we said before, that, that, iron, that Captain American 3, after seeing this movie, can definitely contest with Man of Steel or Man of Steel 2 or whatever they're calling it. I mean, it's just, it shows you the machine that's going to be moving, you know? Right.
0: And as you said, I completely trusted them because a lot of things that could have gone wrong in this movie, they pulled off. I do not like the Falcon character at all. I think it's ridiculous.
2: And it was cool in this movie.
3: Oh, yeah. I was actually impressed with the Falcon and how they handled it.
2: Well, two, my least favorite costume. My number one least favorite costume is black leather, which is why it's taken me a while to get into Arrow and Shield because it's like, come on, guys. Just like a little bit of accent colors or something. And then the other one is T-shirt and camouflage pants. So as soon as I – like, it's a superhero movie. Like, there's a point where they can wear not a ton of spandex, but, like, have them have costumes because they're already superheroes. But I thought Falcon was a lot of fun. And, again, I think – I thought everything in this movie was really dynamic. I mean, the way that his his wings popped out, came in, that the guns kind of came out through the sleeves, kind of Laura Croft style.
3: Yeah. And I wouldn't mind in Captain America 3 if, like, after Age of Ultron, Stark makes him a new one and make it red and white. I mean, why not? I mean, right. Anthony Mackie already wants to have the spantex and stuff. He was upset that he was kind of like G.I. Joe almost with wings. Yeah. So, I mean, give him color. Let him be the Falcon. And right. I – there was nothing wrong with him. I had no complaints for Sam Wilson, no complaints with the Falcon. He was a good character. I'd like to see him again.
2: I thought he was great because I, I don't love the uh, the War Machine role w- from either people who have played him. But I thought Anthony Mackie really – you're standing up against people who've been in what five Marvel movies at this point, to people who are all A listers. And I thought right. he was excellent.
0: Yeah, he didn't seem too out of place, did he? Even when he was sitting in a big room with Black Widow, Captain America, Maria Hill, and Nick Fury. And it was like, Who the fuck is this guy? And he's just kind of like, Oh, Sam. And you're like, Okay, cool. Like Yeah. <laughs> there there wasn't that awkward oh, it's the extra character that we're throwing into this movie. Yeah, kind of but you,
2: you even kind of said at the beginning, Anthony, that it's kind of that Chekhov's gun rule. There's nothing in this movie that's extra or irrelevant or everything has its moment, everything has its place, and it's all really satisfying at the end.
0: Right. There's not an introduction of the Falcon because they were like, we need to have the Falcon because we want to have the Falcon. It was, we need to have the Falcon because, holy crap, Why wouldn't we have the Falcon? He can fill this role and that role and that role and that role, and that makes perfect sense. And there's nobody better to fit in that spot than Falcon because of his connection with Captain America throughout the comics. Like we're not throwing in somebody like, uh, say, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, somebody else they would have put there.
2: Somebody that bad?
0: (laughs) I can't even think of anybody else because I'm thinking of how good Falcon would have have ended up working. Right. (laughs) Right.
2: Chris Evans
3: even said in interviews, like cap reaches a point where he can't trust anybody. So sometimes like what you have to do is trust a stranger. Like he already established himself with Sam Wilson and they were friends, not well, not friends in the past, but like they got friendly with each other. They sort of like, and that was the opening sequence of the movie. You get to see them kind of have this little back and forth and then you don't see him again, but then you have this little run in where he's questioning himself and he can relate like, of all the people who could relate to Captain America, you've got an ex-military guy who's trying to readjust to life. So like, I couldn't think of anybody better to fill those shoes.
0: And yeah, the difference I- between this movie and the first Avenger is that first movie, they basically just go, this is Peggy Carter and she's the love interest. And we don't need to show you, we'll, we'll just tell you. And this movie, it starts off and it's like, okay, we're going to have Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers meet, but there is this underlying foundation of uh, support and respect, and that's going to be the reason why they are friends. Because immediately, right off the bat, Sam's like, you're Captain America. You're the fucking man. And Cap is like, hey, you used to be a soldier, and here's the background from you, and I respect that. So now they... They respect each other from something instead of just because we had introduced the character.
2: (laughs) We're both buff men.
0: (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) I would have been happy with a predator handshake, though.
0: Didn't didn't they do some kind of weird... No, you know what? I might be thinking of something else.
2: No, but I think the one cool thing about this movie was every B story really complemented the A story. Like, the Winter Soldier was the perfect opposite of captain america in this he was literally the soldier who was fighting for nothing for no purpose yeah. for no reason with no attachment to anybody and then so rogers could reflect that off himself and like you said anthony mackie sam wilson's that soldier who's just coming back is trying to find his way so all those b stories really just went back into captain america's a story i mean i don't know see i hate to say this but this movie is just like amazing like it's it I really the, is let's just say this movie was good people like oh yeah yeah fans like captain america no like Structurally, script level, this movie was amazing. Anybody can watch this movie. It's true. It's it. It's. I never take my dad. I think the last thing my dad saw in the movies was Valkyrie with Tom Cruise. That's his movie taste. I'm like, go see this movie.
0: Hey, you know what? Yeah. You could always just say say that one of the German officers from Valkyrie is in the movie because that's the guy playing von Strucker.
2: <laughs> oh, really?
0: <laughs> just be like, no, you're gonna go from one to the other. They tie in, <laughs> in together. Yeah, Tom Cruise uh, was gonna be Iron Man, and they made valkyrie about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but i didn't even think about that until you just brought that up that there's actually a little bit more than i had even picked up on for the references between characters and being mirror images and stuff i didn't even realize that there was the connection between black and oh, black widow um winter soldier being the character who is a mindless tool for the government and Cap not wanting to be a mindless tool for the government. He's got right. his opinion on his own. And you have somebody like Bucky who has no idea what he's doing and can't fight against it. Right. And Steve Rogers who doesn't know what he's doing and can fight against it. And right. everybody really – they they must have balanced this out on – a huge whiteboard when they were writing this and just said like, look, these are the the central plots. Let's have this. Let's have that. If they didn't, their subconsciouses are geniuses because they pulled it (laughs) off. And
2: And I I have
0: so much respect for people that are able to pull that off when it comes to balancing, not only cameos and references and everything else like that, but balancing the structure and balancing theme and balancing every little aspect of this. It's really a brilliant movie when it comes to that. And it's never going to get the credit it deserves.
3: Yeah, Yeah. and I do like that they've been planning this. Like, They mention it in the movie offhandedly, but now going back to it, in the first Avenger, he does find Bucky on a table. He's being worked on. And so if they're trying to recreate the super soldier serum, that explains why he can be cryogenically frozen and woken up like Cap was. It also explains why even though his metal arm is stronger he is still physically strong enough to fight
2: Captain America. Well, then he jumped off that overpass the one time.
3: Yeah, and how he fell to his death but then didn't die because he was strong enough to survive it. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: and if they would have just had him get killed off in the first Avenger and, you know, you see him get uh, shot or something like that, which wouldn't follow really with the comics anyway, but... If they would have done that, and it would have just been like, oh, he's dead, then there wouldn't have been as much to build up on. So Marvel's really putting in the groundwork, and that's so freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It's just reaping the benefits at this point.
0: Right. So we talked about Black Widow, Sam Wilson, and all that. We touched upon uh, Fury's death, which I don't really know if there's anything else that we need to talk about with that. Just done really well. And...
2: You know what I do want to talk about with Fury? Go for it. Whenever you get into movies like this, you can tell they kind of have their couple big moments that they plan out like iron man three one of the first things they went for was that big barrel of monkeys sequence right that was kind of one of the big crown jewels of the movie i thought that scene with uh nick fury trapped in his car like under siege in his car was amazing i almost liked it better than the boat scene i thought that scene was like so suspenseful finally gave nick fury like that that scene where we really get to see him handle himself like as in the avengers whereas he like sneakily grabbed his briefcase and then drove away. Like I thought that whole, I thought that whole scene was just so like just so with the battering ram like uh oh.
3: yeah. And I mean I I turned to Nikki in the theater when I saw this. I don't know if you guys have watched the show or know of the show or if anybody's listening to this. Look it up. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but if not the AI in his car isn't that the fucking narrator for Ancient Aliens?
0: <laughs> was
3: ancient it? Family? I think it
0: was. That would be fucking uh, fantastic if it was. And he could have said the same lines from the Ancient Aliens show. Like, turn
3: turn left at the red light ahead, just like the ancient people who worshipped aliens centuries ago.
0: It's a much more profound battering ram. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if they were going to do that, they were going to bring somebody from Ancient Aliens to do any kind of a voiceover. They should have gotten David Childress. So it could have been like, Fury, you even like, what, you know, what's happening? And it could have been like, it's some kind of a trap. <laughs> <laughs> Is it he dead though? No, that, that was another guy. Oh, okay. They still have many seasons probably left of some kind of.
3: <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> that or Giorgio. But I actually thought that the AI throughout the movie was Jarvis.
2: It was when they were in – it changed voices because when they were in one of the rooms, I think it was when Nick Fury was in that like little corner office of his and he made all the windows tint. I think it was Jarvis then.
0: It definitely sounded like Paul Bettany. Or yeah. if they got, couldn't get Paul was, Bettany, they got somebody who sounded like him.
3: I got it on IMDb. He was the Fury car narrator in The Winter Soldier. That's fucking awesome.
0: What, Paul Bettany was? Or no, the...
3: no, the guy from Ancient A.O. It <laughs> yeah. was that guy?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What an odd person to pull out, too. Yeah, because he also did
3: an episode of China,
2: Illinois. I don't even know what that like, is. Like, he's got such a distinct voice. That sounds like a made-up show. China, Illinois? Yeah, what is? what on earth is China, I Illinois?
1: I Adult Swim.
0: Uh, that's why I don't watch Adult Swim.
2: Uh, yeah, that's... I watched Adult Swim after 1 in the morning when I was, like, 11. And I don't really... To this day, I don't understand what I saw. <laughs> and since then, I haven't made that mistake.
0: I'm still stuck on young adults Swim. I haven't grown up. But speaking of little things that they throw out there, I mean, I didn't have a clue that that was the case, and I watch Ancient Aliens as much as I kind of don't want to admit it. <laughs> but there were two other cameos that, actually three other cameos that I thought were pretty funny. One of the Russos, and I don't remember which one it is, so I apologize if that dude's listening, um, was the doctor working with Fury. Oh, Really? He was one of them, and I, I don't remember which Russo. I wish I could remember so I could just say the name. But uh, there was also DC Pearson was in the Apple Store. He is somebody who was one of the three core members of Derek Comedy on YouTube. It was him, uh, I can't remember, the Dominic, whatever his name is, and Donald Glover were the three members of Derek Comedy. Comedy. And Donald Glover was Troy on Community. DC Pearson's been on a couple episodes as like a background student and everything. So I'm sure that that was the connection there that. They had the community thing and Danny Pudi, who is Abed on community was some random crew worker for shield.
2: Well, he was the one that let him in on the route when they, when Cap first big, the big end sequence with Cap stormed a Triskelion mm-hmm. and the guy opened the door and he just looked at him and said, move. Right. That was him. Yeah.
0: So that was nice seeing that because it was just like, Oh, it's Danny Pudi. That's cool.
2: Yeah, it's cool they have their people.
0: Right. So we talked a little bit about Nick Fury's death. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to throw out about that? I thought that that was handled really well. And even though we kind of saw a spoiler in the trailers where he said, looks like you're giving the orders cap, and we kind of knew he hasn't said that line yet, so he's got to, and he'll probably be alive. (laughs) Without that it still was handled well because I had gotten to the point in the movie where I thought that they were going to reveal that. And then it ended up being the Arnim Zola reveal. And then I started thinking, you know what, maybe he isn't going to be coming back. Maybe they cut that scene out of the movie and right. he was supposed to be saying that in, um, Steve Rogers apartment or something. And I just I'm remembering it wrong or whatever. I thought that was really well done. There is one thing that when we were, before we were recording this, that I think it was Sam had mentioned that I thought was really odd, though. And that is when Nick Fury is burning all of his stuff, why does he burn the eye patch?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> like they're going to trace that or something and be like, eye patch. This must mean that Nick Fury's in Argentina.
2: <laughs> he wants to have the one of his, his dramatic I... cathartic moments that you can only have when you burn a, a personal possession.
3: Right. The only thing that I could figure that why he did that is remember uh, Zola was able to do facial recognition? Uh, that's true. That oh. that somehow maybe if like Ultron is able to do the same thing and can find anyone anywhere, maybe the eye patch is just a distinguishing feature that if you're looking for Nick Fury, and he's not wearing the eye patch, you're gonna overlook him.
2: So I'm gonna go ahead and and be willing to embarrass myself. When he was burning whatever was in that little like rental safe house space he was in, that briefcase was that all of his stuff on the Black Widow. Cause it was, or were those just his passports for whenever he wanted to jump borders? Because I thought the top one looked distinctly like it was Russian.
1: not sure. I, I
0: didn't sure, pay too much attention to that I at the not time. I wasn't sure what they were
2: really going for there. Was that just supposed to be him going kind of on the lamb and just burning all of his connections to the world, or is that... I think so. I That's, kind of that... took it
0: that way, that he was just burning all evidence of himself.
2: Right.
3: Which, actually, could, can we just say one thing? Else. Speaking of Black Widow... We were told that we were going to learn a lot more about her past. We were going to learn a lot more about her. And there's people who are saying, like, you learn a lot about her in this movie. What do we really know about her now that we didn't know before? She's
0: bone and Hawkeye. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> she, like, uh... She
3: mentions KGB, but, like, we assumed that. At least I assumed that. was right. Am I wrong that?
2: I mean, I know these movies are really supposed to kind of play to, I think, pretty much middle America slash everyone. So maybe, like if you don't know that that is the Russian spy organization, now it's there and you can go figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Well, then they make the point of like, they say KGB once and then they keep like, it's almost kind of like a kid show where they keep just like making it like inferring like, well, she did those bad things that were dark. So now we just know she did bad, dark things for the KGB as opposed to nice things for the KGB, I guess.
0: Like she stood up late past her curfew one night. Do you really want the people <laughs> to know this?
2: Because <laughs> they're like, do you want all those dark secrets to get out?
0: I'm assuming she we're gonna figure out awesome. more about it. What if yeah. it all turns out to be that kind of stupid thing though? Like, the big reveal ends up being that like she ate the last slice of pizza at this one party <laughs> one day, and everybody's like, the fuck? I was mad at Thompson for this instead. <laughs> like,
2: she stole from the chip the uh, tip jar at the falafel restaurant, the shawarma <laughs> restaurant. <laughs>
0: who stole the cookie from the cookie jar natasha
2: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know that's true though they really didn't do much with the back but with how much backstory there was in this movie i could see it probably being best just to keep things moving
0: and there's one other thing about nick fury's death that i wanted to point out that i just thought was awesome being a fan of it on the tombstone ezekiel twenty five seventeen. yeah that was fucking trouble. great yeah and i didn't hear like anybody laugh in the movie theater except I did. for myself I did.
2: yeah i think that's gonna be one of those things that that's gonna be like the ultimate kick me moment in a week when everyone realizes that that happened yeah well who knows maybe if tarantino's still pissed i'll try to sue him yeah <laughs> Hey,
0: maybe they could get Tarantino to do one of these movies.
2: <laughs> who would yeah. I like to see? Oh, so that's going to be a whole article. Fanboys cast Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> he could have been Dum Dum or Dugan is who he could have been.
0: You know, I could have seen him pull that off.
2: Instead of that guy in the really awkward fat suit that just didn't sell me.
0: <laughs> that's, that's one thing, actually, that I uh,
3: didn't understand about the movie. Like I thought about it like offhandedly, but then once the movie was over, I got to ponder it a little bit more. How did they get all the Howling Commando
2: uniforms? Like, did after World War II, they're just like, all right, guys, turn in your uniforms. <laughs> Thanks for your service. Make sure you leave everything, including your boots. Yeah.
0: They just, like, stole it from them one day.
2: <laughs> you know, I'm kind of sad they're just over, though. I mean, I know that you can only have so many people survive World War Two. Yeah. But I don't think they – like. like you said, Anthony, with everybody getting kind of – Rushed by in First Avenger. I thought I thought the Howling Commandos didn't quite get to have their day. Which is why I would like to see uh, Nick Fury
3: in the Howling Commandos movie.
0: Well, I don't think they could pull Nick Fury out of there.
3: Well, I mean, if he's young and they're older, you could possibly do it.
0: Maybe. You'd I have don't... to do it in, like, the 70s or something. Right. Nick and his psychedelic, psychedelic <laughs> commandos. You could bring yeah. in the uh, Spider-Man villain, the Hypno-Hustler. <laughs> fighting
2: they ride in the starchy and husk car
0: <laughs> what the hell i would say it. why not
2: yeah
3: it'd, it'd be better than green lantern <laughs> at this point marvel can give me they're giving me a talking raccoon and a giant tree and i'm gonna go see that movie so i mean
2: yeah you know what i'm really happy about i'm happy that this post credit sequence didn't just end on a slappy over the head infinity gem moment because like i like they're pretty much all out there right i was trying to think about this before we know we know where how many of the infinity gems are at this point. Four.
0: Uh, we great. have the tesseract, which is the space gem. We, we have, have the, power of the ether. Yeah, we have the the ether. We have a lot of people have been saying, and it makes sense to me that the staff had the mind gem in it,
3: right? So like soul gem or something. But the problem is, in the Avengers, they said that it was powered by the tesseract. Right. Why would it need to be powered by the Tesseract if it itself is an Infinity Gem?
0: Yeah, that might be one of those throwaway lines that they go, oh, whoops.
2: Yeah. Oh, Cap's what's that, New 52? Teams. Batman's been Batman for five years and has four assistants? Nah, don't worry <laughs> about it. Don't think about it. They could, yeah, they could always chalk it up to Cap, just didn't know. <laughs> Cap be quiet. You haven't seen Wizard of Oz yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh that, that was, you know what? You want to talk about great scenes? I loved that notebook scene when he had Nirvana and in parentheses it said band
0: yeah (laughs) what did it say with star wars i couldn't
3: it says star
2: wars slash trek and there was a line through star wars (laughs) foreshadowing that he will in fact be in star wars episode seven as Patton oswald predicted
0: (laughs) that's it that's what being what this all builds up to and Patton oswald was just kind of like throwing it out there to see what people's reactions were my god
2: yeah, like he got in a lot of trouble for that speech. Why are you just putting everything out there for it like
0: that? They're like, dude, you weren't supposed to announce this ahead of time. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I was talking to Redford earlier, and.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that they put him in Shield too. I think that's amazing. Who Redford or? No, Pat Oswald's in Shield next week. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot that he's going to be in that. Good for that guy. I hope it ties into King of Queens. <laughs>
0: It's going to tie into that college humor video where he was the penguin. And this is what's <laughs> going to be bridging the gap between DC and Marvel, Patton Oswald.
2: Danny DeVito's penguin boat is got to be in someone's garage somewhere, and I want it. <laughs> but with the Infinity Gems, going back to that, we've seen in the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer that ball has to be won.
3: Oh, yeah, definitely. Because so everybody's see, after it. So.
2: Which means at the most... So we've if, if we're counting the Tesseract and the staff as two separate ones, plus the ether, plus that one. That means we still haven't seen one of them.
0: I'm two. trying to bring up a, an article that I had okay. read before, and you guys could double check this if you're listening to this later on, about the Infinity Gems on Fanboys Anonymous. We had seen, I think it was the space, mind, and soul. Or no, the space, mind, and power. That's what it was because the ether was the power. Um, But there could have been the Soul Gem, Time Gem, and Reality Gem, or the three that we haven't seen yet, if the Mind Gem one is the whole thing with the staff. And Time, I don't really know how you would tie that into the other ones unless what I've heard is true about Guardians of the Galaxy, where that takes place in the future. Huh. Now, if that does take place in the future, and the whole tie back into Avengers is that they come back in time or something like that. Maybe that has something to do with the fact that he's got a set of headphones and he's playing songs from the 80s or whatever it is. Maybe he has a tie back to that. And if they have the time gem in Guardians of the Galaxy, that would work. I mean, that is an orange gem.
3: Well, yeah, but that wouldn't really work, though, because he has things from the 80s because he was taken into space as a kid. And he's aged appropriately if it's like 2014 in the films that that works
2: that he's from the 80s i mean i'm hoping there like uh, i know sam mentioned this i'm really hoping there's at least a little bit more avengers to groundwork in guardians only because it's gonna it's gonna suck having to wait a year but still have to have some sort of adventure with no real payout other than presumably some sort of post-credit sequence
3: yeah what i've been saying um for people who are listening to this before we filmed, was that it feels like it was out of order that after you go Thor the Dark World and you have that post-credit scene for Guardians of the Galaxy, that you should have introduced Guardians of the Galaxy because the post-credit scene of Winter Soldier sets up Age of Ultron. So I feel like they're just out of sequence with that. I don't know why they went with it
2: the way they did. Well, I really think that the smart thing about um, Thor, Thor the Dark World and Cap Winter Soldier to me is that Usually in a trilogy, the second movie is the strongest because that's kind of where all the tension is and all the conflict is, and the third one's just kind of the resolution. Between yeah. these two movies, especially the end of Cap Two, right now Fury's on the lam, Black Widow's dealing with her being outed in public. We're not really sure where Captain America stands with what he he's out looking for Bucky. Thor's kind of dealing with all his stuff. Like everybody's poised in a very compromising position, or at least they're not at their strongest right now. They're vulnerable which I think is what sets Age of Ultron up so well to come in and really kind of hit them, not necessarily while they're down, but when they're still kind of shuffling their cards and still trying to get themselves together.
0: And they can't depend on S.H.I.E.L.D. to come and save their ass.
2: Right.
3: Which I don't understand. Um, I know with the first phase that they said that Iron Man 2, The Incredible Hulk, and Thor all took place in the, like in the same week. Huh, so, that's interesting. Because the Alexander Pierce said, like, They they made a little joke with Fury in the beginning of the movie that he would do this favor for him if he got Iron Man to appear at his niece's birthday. But after Iron Man 3, the assumption is is that Stark doesn't really have any more suits and that he's not really doing that. Oh, going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I know he's got the Hulkbuster and they've already had him on set, which looks like a version of the Mark 42. But the the presumption is is that he's not going to be doing suits at least... Like he has been in the past, so for him to make that comment, it sounds like Iron Man 3 hasn't happened, no. but then it has to have happened because Agents of Shield takes place after Iron Man 3. Hmm. So like I just don't know what timetable I'm looking at.
0: Maybe he just threw it out there because he was hoping that he would have an extra suit or something. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: because he did say, you know, he doesn't just fly by; he's got to mingle.
2: Well, in, in in his defense, you would hope that Iron Man wouldn't blow up his entire armory.
0: That I was a pretty was cool firework
2: spectacular, though.
0: Maybe he was just, like, really in the mood to watch them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Keep going, guys. All of you just blow up.
0: He's like, oh, eh, these grow on trees.
2: Or, or maybe going off the uh, the Senator Stern thing, maybe that was uh, Pierce's sneaky way of making sure all the suits are gone. Hmm. Possible. He can't come to her birthday party. His suits are gone. Really? <laughs> Initiate <laughs> protocol 66. <laughs> So I don't know how they're going to do this
0: with Guardians of the Galaxy popping up, and I'm not interested in Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm going to see it
2: opening night, I'm sure. If you watch that trailer on mute, would be you be more interested in it? Like, Because I think, I think the Chumbawamba song's funny, but it really throws the tone for a loop. Or do you think just in general that you're not interested in seeing the Guardians live action?
0: To me, it kind of falls into the same boat as Ant-Man, and to an extent Doctor Strange and Black Panther. I love the idea that they're putting these characters out there, but I've never been a fan of them. So if you have something like Batman or Superman or Spider-Man or the X-Men or whatever that I've followed since I was a kid, even if it doesn't look like a good movie, I'm going to be pumped to watch it. Right. But you need to sell me on these other ones that I haven't been a big fan of. Like Thor, I wasn't a huge fan of as a kid. I thought that that was just one of those bad characters that was hokey and over the top. Mm-hmm. So I went into Thor going, this is gonna suck. It's gonna be the first one that I really just don't like. How are they gonna pull off this dude talking like in a Shakespearean kind of way? Right. And I don't like this idea that Kat Dennings is in this and I like Natalie Portman, but she seems just kind of meh. It in. And they ended up pulling that off and it did a good job.
2: Then he breaks the coffee cup. <laughs> Best you know.
0: But But Guardians of the the Galaxy galaxy, is so much of a harder sell for me, because even if you just had uh, Gamora, I think it's her name, right, Gamora? Yeah, Gamora. Gamora and Drax and Peter Quill, I still wouldn't think that it looked that interesting, but it would look at least where I could go, okay, well, maybe this is kind of like a, a thing that I've overlooked. But then you have Rocket Raccoon and you have Groot. And that's when I start getting into, look, they've had this track record lately of having too much comedy, and I think this is like their idea of, we're going to go so over the top with the comedy in this one, and it's going to be such a fun ride, and kids are going to love Rocket Raccoon, and then that's going to be that moment where everybody goes, you know what, shut up and do serious stuff from now on. Yeah, yeah
3: but you know what if you, if you know him, though, Rocket is not a kid's character.
2: No, he's so violent.
3: No, yeah, he's and terribly violent. He's they, they like, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, but he's a raccoon. Like, But see, James Gunn knows it. Doesn't
1: he have, like, a, like a rap sheet of, like, over two dozen people?
3: Oh, yeah, I mean, Rocket loves shooting his guns. Well, his, his catchphrase is Bam killed you. Yeah. So, I mean, and Groot is just supposed to be this nice guy that just gets muddled because he's best friends with Rocket. But, like, I really think that it's not going to be over the top comedy. They might. I can't say it. I've only seen the trailer. I liked the trailer. But just from what I've seen and from what I've heard, they know that Rocket is going to be a tough sell. And they're not going to go jokey with him. They said that he's this, like, muzzled, like, broken individual. That, like, he was literally taken and torn apart, and he was given intelligence, and he was given cybernetics, and he was, like, put back together. I mean... This, he's a raccoon but he's been through hell and I mean he's just pissed off at the world so I mean I really don't think they're going to go jokey with him and I really can't imagine that they would gear him towards kids I mean unless George Lucas got his hands on this thing and he's going to try to sell <laughs> it. but like I don't think that's going to be like oh kids are going to want to see this because of Rocket Rocket if anything is going to be more for like us like Peter Quill's going to be jokey guaranteed Drax is probably just going to be not saying much, but he's going to fuck shit up. And he's going to be a
2: super powerbomb. That's got to be in his contract.
0: Drax is going to cause as much of a problem as he is with WrestleMania this year for wrestling fans that are out there. (laughs) And, like, Gamora
3: is probably going to start out more like Drax, but then ease up and be a little bit more personable.
0: And she's going to fuck, uh, what's his name, Sam Worthington, and then we're going to tie that into (laughs) Avatar, and she's going to turn blue-green and...
2: No, she's going to start dating the Black Widow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I
3: I have trust in this. I think it's their first gamble, but I don't think they're going to take their first gamble and just totally go flip a coin. I think they're still gearing this. And if I've heard correctly, there's going to be a second Guardians film.
2: They've already announced it. Stuff is always greenlit before it comes out. But I think... But you
3: only do that. A studio only does that when they really trust what's going on. I mean, they greenlit Cap 3
2: just based on the screenings of Cap 2. Well, and I think there's a point where, you know, I know, well, mostly me, kind of through this conversation, been mentioning a little bit of that Marvel vs. DC stuff. I think the next step in this is to see if you can turn these B and debatably C list characters into franchises like they have with Thor and like they have with Captain America.
3: And even Iron Man, I mean, before 2008, if you asked somebody before 2008, who was Marvel's big heroes, you would say Spider-Man, Wolverine, the Hulk, and, like, you could name off maybe a couple more, but now it's like, who's Marvel's big hero? Iron Man. Like, definitely Iron Man. So, I mean, they took somebody who wasn't really, I mean, obviously Iron Man was huge in the comics universe, but as far as cartoons, I mean, he had a 90s run, it went okay, he didn't really have anything, yeah. And now he like the MCU. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is like their backbone.
2: Well, there wouldn't be an MCU without Iron Man one. That that's just a, that's a fact. If That I mean, movie hope... didn't make as much money as it did. It would have been over, right? And you and know I mean, what
0: I have you... my worries about when it comes to their planning of well, this depends on that, and this depends on that, and everything. I think that they figured out that Captain America was going to be their serious movie. And that's why they switched guardians of the galaxy up because they don't want to have too many serious things in a row. So we have serious movie with captain America, the winter soldier, ludicrous comedy with guardians of the galaxy that they can see how far they can push the table of comedy. Then we have a more serious thing with Avengers too. And then what's the one that comes right after that? That's ant-man and it's Edgar Wright. And you have the lead character is a guy known for comedy and all these comedic elements are coming together.
2: Did you see that test footage, though, for Ant-Man?
0: Yeah, but I don't trust that that's going to be the whole thing. Because if you could see the scenes from Iron Man 3 that looked like it would have been a, this cool James Bondish kind of movie, and then you get a couple of those scenes, but then the rest of the movie is kind of filled with...
2: Flashback Christmas ornament grenades.
0: Yeah.
3: Stupid <laughs> jokes of the suit falling apart 40 times.
0: And the Mandarin. <laughs> because that all ends up being just wouldn't that be kind of funny if we did this and people will love it because it's funny because it's you know this trevor slattery guy i think that they value their comedy a little bit too much and
3: watch all hail the king if you haven't already i haven't definitely watch it interesting or is it just therapeutic i mean do you want me to talk about it or do you want to see it like spoiler free or anything
0: I'm okay with I'm, you spoiling it for me. So. Yeah,
3: I'm, I'm fine to hear it too. I don't mind. Okay. So basically what happens is Trevor is in prison, and he's actually in the same prison that Luke Cage is in in the comics. So I don't know how, if they're going to use that or not. But that um, this guy has been trying to interview him, and he, uh, Trevor hasn't been accepting the interviews. But now finally, like the last chance he has before he, before Trevor's in permanent lockup, he gets to sit down with him. And it's jokey at first. 'Cause I mean, obviously Trevor Slater is this huge, just like bum fuck. I mean I mean it's a I gotta say though, uh, Ben Kingsley does it very well to be able to do that. Like I do appreciate that, but the character I'm not a fan of. Right. But in the interview, they go through Trevor's life a little bit and he makes a joke like the interviewer says, like, Well, how did you research the role? And he says, Well, just between you and me, mate, I didn't, or something like that. And he's like, well, what do you mean? He goes, let me tell you, when an actor says they've reviewed the role, it just means they went on the internet and pulled a wank or something. Like, he makes just a masturbation joke or something stupid. But then the guy clicks his camera for a second. He doesn't click it off. He just clicks something, and it kind of, like, pops open or something like that. And he kind of, like, loosens his tie up, and he starts talking to Trevor. And he says, like, uh, did you know the Ten Rings was a real organization? And he's like, no, man, I didn't. That's kind of cool. He's like, was it? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you guys didn't just make up the Ten Rings. That was a thing. And all of a sudden, the camera like is reconfiguring itself, and it pops a gun out. And he kills the guard, and he kills the cellmate of Trevor. And he pulls his suit sleeve back, and he has a tattoo of the Ten Rings emblem on him. And he has the gun. You think he's going to kill Trevor. And Trevor's like shaking, like, don't kill me. And he says, I'm not going to kill you. He says, I'm going to take you to meet somebody. And he says, oh, yeah, who? Do I know him? And he says, no. But you took his name, and he wants it back.
0: Ah. Wow. Huh. So that's oh. them going, oh, fuck. OK, we'll give them a real Mandarin.
2: <laughs> we'll see, though, because I know there's – real mandarins is a tricky sell, especially with how valuable a market China is. Yeah. He, he's he's just so
1: – But I, I
2: think th- that's why China got its own version of Iron Man 3. No, oh for sure. I think that was part of their tax incentive. Yeah. Because they shot over there. But wow, that's interesting. Actually I didn't I wouldn't have seen them doing that. I'm really excited to see this.
3: I I don't know if they're gonna actually do it like an Iron Man four or do anything with him. But if they do, that would be a really interesting route to go.
0: Yeah. I would put a lot more emphasis on this extra stuff than tell people like pay attention to
2: this shit. Yeah. Right. I think they've been figuring that out across the board. I th- like My last couple of reviews I've done on some of the Marvel tie-in books have actually proved to be pretty valuable. Like Actual stuff has happened in those. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're starting to figure out that you know you kind of lost our faith in these a little bit. you got to do something to kind of get us back on track. Right.
0: A good way to start selling some issues and stuff, that's for sure. Yeah. So I hope that this isn't what... I am expecting it to pan out to be where they do go over the top with all the comedy with Ant-Man and guardians of the galaxy. And it's only Avengers age of Ultron that we have that break. I hope that they have seen what happens with winter soldier and they go, you know what? We don't need to be silly with our comedy. We can have comedy and we can make it lighthearted and fun and it can be serious and it can even be political at the same damn time. And thank God that they have already announced that, Anthony and Joe Russo are gonna do Captain America three.
2: Yeah. So I think the real question now is to see how much Winter Soldier can make. I mean, obviously Marvel movies like it's already crossed 100 million dollars internationally in in what like a week. So obviously, like uh, Sam kind of brought up, these movies are in a way flop-proof. That the Marvel brand, at least for the foreseeable future, until they make probably two crappy movies in a row, is pretty solid. No, Avengers is in the middle. But what they need to see here is you need to see this movie make like probably $700 million and be the success that the Iron Man franchise was while still being heavy. And what I don't
3: understand is the Avengers, I mean, I get that the Avengers made over a billion dollars. I get that. It was a great movie. And I understand what I, I didn't understand Iron Man 3 breaking a billion. But I mean, you did get a lot of that people who like, there were many people who saw the Avengers who didn't see many of the movies before it. And right. they probably now, after seeing the Avengers, went to go see Iron Man 3. But Thor The Dark World, I thought, was just like just as good, if not better. It was one of my favorite Marvel movies at the time when it came out. And now with Winter Soldier, I'm going to be really disappointed if Winter Soldier can't break the billion mark like Iron Man
2: 3 did. I guess we'll have to see. I mean, I think... I mean, market wise, I think it's hitting. Like, I think I think making an, an April release was a good choice. It's got a full month ahead of any of the other superhero movies. I'm trying to think like kind of what's comparable coming out in the next couple of weeks that could really challenge it. I Nothing feel bad in the for next Anybody week. who was hoping for Divergent to have a big, big, nice, long run because it's just going to sink it.
3: Yeah, I know. In the next uh, month, with May, we're going to have um, Days of Future Past. We're going to have Spider Man. We're going to have Godzilla coming oh, out soon, wow. right? i think that's may as well though
0: yeah may 2nd is the first movie that's coming out and that's uh amazing spider-man so that's going to be the first one that really puts some kind of a dent into captain america but then by that point it's already been out for a month
2: yeah by that point it's already it should be depreciating but i could see this having a, a nice two three week run right and i think again the real the real success for these um i think a lot of it has to go back to the print media If this can turn Bucky Barnes and the Winter Soldier into a household name, I think that's going to be more valuable than this being a real smash in the long run. Right. Hopefully, it gets the credit
0: that it deserves because this film was freaking awesome.
2: It really, I think, because I think, you know, I think it was just in time too because people are just starting, I think, to get. Like, I know that I'm kind of from small town Pennsylvania. And when I talk to people, there's people who don't realize that, like, these Andrew Garfield movies aren't part of the Tobey Maguire movies where I'm from.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They're like, Oh, it's more Spider-Man stuff. Like I think, and not necessarily those people, but I think if certain people go to see Captain America right now, they'll find it very refreshing. Cause it, it yeah. I mean, like we said before, the pacing, the tone, all the use of the characters, all the subplots, all, all the really nice plot devices. This really is a solid movie and not just popcorn fare.
3: Now, one question I'm going to pose to you guys and to anybody who's listening Throw it down in the comments of the video. Do you guys think? I'm not gonna say a movie, maybe a one shot, but I would really like to see maybe a comic. I hope a movie though. Do you think we could see a Winter Soldier movie? Maybe a throwback to when he was in like the 70s, the 60s,
2: no. 80s, and have him like has his career as the Winter Soldier. No. Nikki already says no like three times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think it depends. I know Marvel has mentioned that they're really interested in doing three. A, they're interested in doing three movies a year. B, they have this whole grand slate going all the way out to 2028 allegedly. Um, right. But I, I would be really interested in seeing them kind of take the DC route. I know if you're doing more than, I mean, once you if you if you do more than three movies a year, that, I think that's going to be tight just marketing wise. But I could see the Winter Soldier, especially like we said, a Black Widow movie. I could see his KGB time with a brief appearance by her being a good like 50 million dollar movie. Yeah, like Splinter Cell, Covert Ops. Again, I think the metal arm does does enough that it's high concept without being expensive. Right. That I think if, if you saw the set
3: photos, it was his upper arm and his um, forearm. His elbow was just painted silver, so that was really the CGI and the moments where it will separate and
2: readjust. But right. really, when you see his arm, most of that isn't CGI. But you can have a scene, like you can just have a scene in the bar though, where he's wearing a leather jacket and a glove, mm-hmm. and during the course of the fight, you know, at some point the glove comes off and he just has a metal hand on. But that's all you need. Right. Um, but again, I mean, and the other thing to start getting to, I would love to see a cameo by him in, you know, if they got down the road, I could see him being an Iron Fist or something, or being in Daredevil, or
3: even Agents of Shield.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, again, I mean, I think that that's the place where they, because that's where I know you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. needs to find some of these high-concept, low-budget ideas, because I I understand it's a TV budget. No, I don't expect uh, Tony Stark to show up every episode. But there are ways you can still do that high-concept, larger-than-life thing. I just don't think... I think just on the street that Marvel's been on right now, they're just, like I said, I think it could be a good $50 million movie, but I think right now they're just swinging for the fences. Yeah.
0: I think, if anything, we're going to see him tied into that rumored Peggy Carter TV show.
2: Huh. Winter Soldier? I forgot about that.
0: Yeah, I think that they could end up having a whole TV show that they're building around Peggy Carter and the beginning of Shield have little references here and there to the Winter Soldier Winter Soldier kind of story.
3: I almost Maybe wonder if they have two references, but they said in the movie that like they call him a ghost cuz like most people don't even think he exists. So I mean, they can't have too many references.
0: No, or you know what? It could just be that Black Widow hasn't dealt with anybody who's willing to tell her that they know that he exists. Because right. they always said throughout the compartmentalization idea. You know. I yeah. I can
2: see that, though. Um, I think at some point, like I know they have this big plan, but I think when you're introducing characters like this, there's got to be some kind of contingency for, oh my gosh, one of our supporting characters is selling better than the main guy. Like I can't see them just letting something like that pass them by. Although again, who knows how it works? And do personally, I'd love to see Bucky Cap at least once. But I don't I'd like to see him. Too. I think it'd be really cool. I mean, they kept Crossbones alive. Although there's been those rumors. I'm curious because you know I didn't even think of it until uh, Nikki said his scorched body. Because again, if you follow the Brubaker run, they have the Captain America of I think the '50s comeback, who's Burnside that half his body's burnt from whatever experiment made him a super soldier. And they said – there's kind of been rumors coming up that he might be in the third one. But they said, well, it's not what's-his-name Burnside that's going to be in the suit. But they did just torch Crossbones. Right. But, I mean, mean,
3: Crossbones wears a mask and shit in the comics. So, I mean, I I figured the burning was going to be alluding to the fact that in the third one he would be wearing a full-face mask.
2: I think he was one of my top three biggest surprises of the movie. I was like, oh, great. A uh, guy that's got a name but doesn't really do anything. I thought he was excellent. Yeah. His Especially cross-eyed like, friend, though, wasn't great. No. No, definitely not. Also, I thought he was uh, – I thought for the first little while he looked like a guy I'd expect to be Manu Bennett's stuntman.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they do
2: seem to have a lot of similarities, don't they? Just how they carry themselves. I mean, the character. And see, again, though, like, oh, man, how, how great were those – uh Magnet handcuffs. Yeah, I oh, yeah. a little
0: touch with that for an action scene. You bring out something that you haven't seen in these other movies yet, and it's it's a cool way of accomplishing something in a tight sequence.
2: Well, then it's cheap. Like, you could totally do that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. You you guys and I could film something like that with an iPhone. Right. I mean, it's all just yeah. acting.
3: But, I mean, if we're going to talk about the tech of this movie, can I mention how stupid it was at first when uh, Winter Soldier pulled the door off to get Fury? And he, like, burnt through the concrete of
0: the ground.
2: (laughs) First of all, I told you guys, he met with the Jedi Council before that happened. Got a lightsaber. So he obviously had his ghetto purple lightsaber.
3: (laughs) At least they brought it back for when uh, they escaped from that SWAT.
2: See, that's true, though. What's your name? Hill probably had one. At least that's some kind of standard issue. So I thought that was still the syringe in his hand. But, yeah, I guess he just cut through. Well, he's, he's Nick Fury. He probably just found a weak place in the ground. That the Winter Soldier just couldn't fit in for some reason.
3: <laughs> he did it with his mind. He was
0: only- <laughs> so I just thought it was a normal taser. And it was like his last line of defense that he was just going to get a taser out and be like, well, I'll go down fighting. I don't have a gun. I don't have anything else. So I'll tase a motherfucker if I need to.
2: That well, yes. It was a taser, and he actually cut the hole with his Deathlock eye that's underneath the eyepatch. <laughs>
0: there you go. He's Got his gun from Pulp Fiction and just shot it out.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything else in that movie that was that. See, I don't think that's the other cool thing about this movie. As much, I don't think a lot of the basic stuff was that absurd. Like, I hated Thor of the Dark World for me was a really difficult movie to get through. Because why would you ever have conventional soldiers when you have invented the weapon of mass destruction that is the black hole grenade? Yeah, like why true. doesn't everyone just have like bat like Easter baskets full of black hole grenades?
0: Because they don't oh, want to so give it to so Gunner pile and have him end up chopping one of them.
2: I mean just go Mega Man nine on everybody and throw black hole grenades everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, there really wasn't anything tech wise that at least in this universe they haven't already set up.
2: It no wasn't one, too I much love, of a leap. I love black holes or uh, black hole. Black widow shocking herself to turn that thing off. That was really intense of her. Oh, yeah. I think everybody really had their moment, I think. I don't think they made the mechanical arm too ridiculous.
0: No. And you could actually hear that it was, like, grinding its gear every once in a while.
2: Oh, nice you stuff. know what I loved? They found a way to use the Liefeld pouches. Cap's pouches were useful in this movie because he hit, put those little computer chips in them. Right. Yeah. It was it was a funny moment, but, again, child of the 90s, there was a good period of my life where I thought pouches were awesome. <laughs> So I'm glad they've somewhat been redeemed, if at least just to me.
0: And they were even able to bring back the old costume, which everybody thought, for the most part, was better than the one that was in the Avengers.
2: And <clears> which not was. Just,
0: and not just bring it back because everybody wanted to bring that back. They brought it back because it served a purpose in the plot, that it was yeah. supposed to be something to refresh the memory banks of Winter Soldier. And um, yeah. because he wouldn't have had his other stealth costume, which was another reference to the comic books, because why would he have it at that point? He shouldn't have had it. They took that away from him, and he's on the run now. He's not going to walk around with the big S.H.I.E.L.D. logo in the middle of his chest if he's trying to be on the run. So that's the other that. thing that I was just like, damn, they pulled that off too. Like see,
2: that's something about everything. I was about to say, I love that they put him in the water again, because we never really got to saw him, see him freeze in the ice, but we got to see that moment of him drooping kind of lifeless, just like he would have when he fell, if he fell off the jet. Mm-hmm. Every what I didn't like
3: was, like, when uh, he was doing the stealth mission and his shield was, like, a light bluish color, and then all of a sudden he's in his apartment and he pulls up his shield and it's got the red back on it. Like, when did he find the time to paint that
0: thing?
2: Steve <laughs> Rogers is an artist in his spare time. That's canon. Yep. True. Yeah, Who knows?
0: This picture of him sitting there. He's got a little paintbrush and he's just like, dude, dude, <laughs> do, They're like, you know, uh, a lot of shit's going down here. He's like, oh, hold on.
2: <laughs> I can see him on the jet after the mission that all the guys in the black are like, one guy's like sharpening his knife and another guy's checking all the bullets. Steve, what are you doing? I'm just touching this up. <laughs> Man, how great was that something? Like. Go ahead. One, th- one
3: thing I didn't know is there like a magnet on his back? Because like I noticed he just kind of pops the shield on his back sometimes. And I know in, in the first Avenger, his um, – the little armbands on the inside of the shield, he kind of mm-hmm. puts around his arms like a backpack. But yeah. this time, he kind of just pops it on his back, and you kind of hear a little metal click. But like when he's walking around, I never see like a hook back there or a magnet know, or anything.
2: I know it kind of fluctuated because on some of the tight shots, you could see brown straps of leather, like, like you said, like it's a backpack. But I think part of it, like those action scenes when they just wanted him to throw it on his back, I think it's kind of like how in the Avengers, you never see them put on walkie-talkies. They just touch their ears and talk to each other. Right. (laughs) And we we just kind of roll with it.
0: Turns out they all have the superpower of talking to each other.
2: Six points (laughs) to the Foley guy on this one.
0: (laughs) What were you going to say about the how good was... Me? Yeah.
2: Oh, I don't even know. I've been saying that too much. It's fun. Like, I'm such a cynical person when it comes to Hollywood movies anymore. If I say how good was insert thing from movie here like more than four times i think i've been (laughs) diluted it was just so good him sinking in the water like all these like little like i think there's all these little moments and i really loved how they shot it i think like i think it was just such an intelligent film like that opening scene when he chokes out that guy and they drop right behind that chain so you can't quite see him But there's just enough of it there that adults like us can be like, awesome. And then the little six-year-old next to me didn't realize his hero just literally choked the life out of someone. (laughs) Like, oh, that henchman's gone now.
0: Perfect. So I'm like, I'm going to do this at home to my brother.
2: See, I can see how Thor is like an easier movie to make for families. Because, again, you got lasers. They're kind of hitting each other with blunt objects and black hole grenades. So, like, (laughs) as funny as it sounds in the modern world, it's like safe violence. But for me, this movie really was... A fun action like a fun action fulfilling movie that I that I'm not saying this as a fan, I'm saying this as an adult place going to the movies, that I was very satisfied by this.
3: Oh, definitely, yeah.
2: So that's why I'm ho- I'm hoping that can like it was smart enough that it can play to kinda because like again, I can't see I think in a modern comic landscape, if you'd asked me two weeks ago, I would say the Dark Knight can't happen again. You're never gonna have a Joker that's that dark, that can't be turned into a toy. You're never gonna have But then he did this, so maybe you can.
3: This is for me on, like I said to you guys, this is on par for me with The Dark Knight as possibly my favorite comic book movie, not just Marvel, possibly my favorite comic book movie.
2: That's because you haven't seen Paul Giamatti in a rhino suit yet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The rhino mech. Can you believe that? I mean, I was a big Zoids fan in my day, but oh, my God. The more trailers I see for that, the less excited I am.
3: Well, I wouldn't say that for me. I mean, the Rhino thing I don't think is going to be huge, but I do like the uh, Green Goblin.
2: That guy's just an amazing actor. Ever since I saw Chronicle and I found out he's in that movie, that's how I know I'll see it without a doubt.
3: Yeah, I loved Chronicle. I was looking forward to that movie for so long, and then I saw it.
2: You know what's funny I feel bad about? I agree with well, – I'm more excited for The Incredibles 2 than I am for the Fantastic Four reboot. Oh, yeah, me too. To I mean, they be
0: fair, I'm not excited about Incredibles 2 at all, and I'm still more excited about it than Fantastic <laughs> Four Reboot. <laughs> I have no faith in that movie whatsoever. But I,
3: mean, I heard Jackson's there's going to be, back.
0: like, Doombots. I'm talking about the Fantastic Four. I have no faith in that.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: That is
0: just... I mean, just, just, uh, I, mean yeah. I can't disagree with the idea that they are trying something different. I am not one of the people that is like, oh, you, you can't make any white character black a lot of people are complaining about that and that's their big complaint i would be okay with the idea of switching that up if i felt like everything else was working and i don't think that it is so
3: i mean i've I've been watching a amc movie talk and what the guy on there says a lot is like unless it's crucial to who that character is it doesn't matter if you change their race like you can't change black panther to a chinese guy Right. There's Although just, I would definitely no want to
0: see that. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, there's just no way you could do that. My biggest complaint is if you're going to make Johnny black, make Sue black. Mm-hmm. Because it is it is important to who they are, that they're brother and sister. And I mean, even if you said, well, they're half-siblings, then why is one white as day and the other is black as night? <laughs> like, you would think they're both, like, mixed. Like, it's obvious That uh, what's the actor's name? Uh, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, he is a black guy, and this I forget the woman's name. She is a white girl. It's not like that. There's mixture. Like, all right, we cast like maybe a Middle Eastern guy and like maybe an Italian woman who kind of look like they could be white or black mix. Like, if they're adopted, if they're like marriage, if they're like fostered, like it breaks down the sibling unit that
2: they share in the comics it's crucial to who they are what really gets me too is the fact that you know you look at those iron man movies for example which were what we said kind of started all of this the worst part of those movies is that iron man doesn't really have like a strong rogues gallery neither really does cap sort of but the fantastic four has like great villains i mean you got doom who to me is like one of the best villains ever you got the whole silver surfer galactus thing in a backdrop and it's just totally good a tank yeah and I hate the, I hate I hate judging things too early because I know I I really know how the media can bury movies. But man, does that just sound like a train wreck? Yeah, it sounds like and we're going to be talking about that dumb. later
0: on and doing another episode of the group meeting and talking about how terrible it is in comparison to Captain America.
2: Yeah, that's going to turn. You guys just want to talk about Captain America again? Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Well, at least it's not Victoria Von Doom. Yeah. Uh, because yes. then they'd probably have like a weird her trying to hit on Reed Richards thing, and that would be weird. And, uh, and then it would, they would take dis-
0: Victoria Von Doom, and they would cast a Chinese man in the role. Of well,
2: yeah. maybe they'll have another snowboarding montage to some forty-one. That could be cool. There you go. We kind of turned the Winter Soldier podcast into
3: why we hate the Fantastic
0: Four. Well, you know why? <laughs> because we were tying together with Chris Evans. Ah, there you go. Nice. I hate you. <laughs> That's a way to try to salvage that.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. As much as I don't believe, I call it the Ledger defense because um, when people say, well, everyone thought Heath Ledger was going to be horrible. But I don't really buy into that as much because, one, DC was just kind of letting Chris Nolan do whatever he wanted at that point. And to me, Chris Nolan's a visionary. So, of course, if Chris Nolan was in charge of the creativity behind that, it's going to be solid. But um, Chris Evans, to me, it's funny to me to think about how pissed I was about Chris Evans being Captain America. But after this movie, I really think he earned it.
0: I think he was much better in this movie than he was in the first one.
2: Yeah, first one, but I don't think one. I don't think he had a ton of work with in that first movie. Um, yeah, I I, th- I definitely thought he was better in this one though. Although apparently, I don't know where to where what to believe with this stuff. What I read this morning is that he isn't gonna be done acting after Cap Three. Maybe. Did, did you see when that whole thing blew up? Where
0: he was thinking about retiring. Yeah, I think that's just kind of, he was having a bad day or something, and he was kind of like, eh, I don't know. And then everybody's like, he's going <laughs> to retire, he says that he fucking hates Marvel movies.
2: <laughs> he's a really nice guy, I got to meet him once, he, dri- he drives a Jeep Cherokee. Huh. I mean, it might be just, that might be him in, uh, like, super soldier covert ops mode. When I met him, he was a really nice, not-jaded guy. He seems
0: like he's just down to earth. But I really can't sing too many more praises about this movie that we haven't already talked about, other than just the fact that it was amazing, and I can't pick apart really anything negative, other than a couple little things where if I was really, really nitpicking, and I had to say like the Alexander Lucan thing, or yeah, uh, maybe they could have had a slightly stronger soundtrack that I could have remembered it more, because I think one thing that a First Avenger has over this one is the soundtrack. I right. can remember uh, a lot more than anything. They Which
2: could. is a song they brought into this movie. That's not even part of this movie's score.
0: Right. So I think that if anything, that's the only criticism I could have. Everything else, this needs to be one of those blueprint movies that people follow in the future. And if they go, you know what? You can't really do these things from the comics. You need to update them and you need to take them out. and You need to spin them on their own head and shove them up their own ass and all this other kind of stuff. You don't need to do that. You can take stuff from the source material, and you can pull it off, and you can make it a smart movie that has everything you can possibly ask for in it. Just awesome, 10 out of 10 type of a movie. Obviously, it's not going to win Best Picture, Hmm. but it should get a lot more credit than what it's gotten so far, even, I think.
2: Yeah, I think my only negative criticism was that I would have wanted more Winter Soldier whenever a movie's good enough that it has you wanting more of a specific element of it, I still think that means it, it did at least a good job of it.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, if we go around in a circle right here, if there's any other last thoughts you guys want to throw out there, starting with uh, Nikki, did anything we not touch upon that you wanted to throw out there?
1: No, you guys basically covered everything. You guys did a, a great, well, of, a great, well, a great job of, uh, of explaining everything. So, um, I don't have anything.
0: Sam?
3: Is she even going to get a credit in this podcast? Listen,
1: I, <laughs> I, I, listen. I wanted to speak, but everyone wants to, I can't explain things very well. So you guys did a good job.
3: But on, on the serious matter, um, Winter Soldier, I definitely give it a 10 out of 10. A plus, two thumbs up. The, I loved this movie. And like you said, Tony, if, if I could say a bad thing about it, it's because I'm severely nitpicking it.
0: Tom? Um,
2: I think I'm going to say 9 out of 10, only because I want to challenge Marvel to one-up themselves. But uh, across the board, I would say this is something I think I'd even seen in theater twice. Take your friends. We already said that this needs to be this needs to be a big movie. And I'd say for once, it's a movie that really served the source material. So if you go to this and you like this, definitely check out uh, the Winter Soldier by Ed Brubaker.
0: Alrighty, we're gonna go around in one more circle and do some plugs of other things you guys can check out that we're working on, and then that'll be it. So going in the same pattern as before, Nikki, anything you want to promote?
1: Um, nothing personal on my end, but you can follow the uh, fan voice Tumblr that Sam and I and I think Payton work. Uh, It's fanboys anonymoustumblrcom and uh, you can follow that and get information on uh, uh, news of what's going on with any type of media, any video game, comic, anything of the sort. And uh, just, I guess, just if you really love all of those things, there's a bunch of pictures, artwork, whatnot that's constantly being posted, just anything. You know, nerd or culture, I, I, I freaking guess. So um, go and follow that if you have a Tumblr. And that's all I have.
0: Sam?
3: Uh, like Nikki said, I uh, operate the Tumblr page. You, you got something to fucking say to me, Nikki? <laughs> <laughs> I operate the Tumblr page. I operate the Facebook page with a lot of the other fanboys. Uh, you can follow me at Science101 on Facebook. And you can catch me on Tumblr at science101blog.tumblr.com. And hopefully once I finally graduate college this semester, I am going to finally start kicking Science 101 up. It's going to be an upcoming YouTube channel and everything science. uh, Help you out with some chemistry, physics, some science news. And I also, obviously because I do Fanboys Anonymous, try to talk about the science of superheroes every now and then and see, like, what's possible, what's definitely not possible, what could be possible in the future,
2: that sort of thing. And Tom? Uh, I'm the comic section administrator for Fanboys Anonymous, so if you like these kind of comprehensive breakdowns like we kind of went through here, I try to review Comics Weekly. You can check out, I also am an editor for the therealdeal.com, which is a movie blog that kind of breaks movies down just like we did here.
0: Okay, big thanks to everybody on this panel and for everybody out there for listening. Stay tuned for the next group meeting, which whenever it's coming up, we will be posting something on Facebook to let you know what the topic is about and when you can check it out. If we're going to do a live one, we'll let you know far in advance when you can listen in live and call into the show. If we end up doing a recorded one like this, then it'll end up popping up on YouTube and you'll be able to hear everything that we have to say about whatever the topic is. If you're interested in joining the team, you send in an application for being a writer or an editor or anything else. We have a lot of different positions that you can fill by using the contact form of fanboysanonymous.com. Make sure that you subscribe to this YouTube channel if you're listening to it on YouTube. If you're listening to it on iTunes and Stitcher, then go back to YouTube. And obviously you can follow the other ones as well. There's the Facebook, the Twitter, the Tumblr, the Instagram. We don't have a MySpace because who has a MySpace anymore? But the way Facebook is going, maybe the Facebook's not going to last longer. So pay attention to all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff as well. You can find out. We creating an Exanga page, (laughs) (laughs) our GeoCities page, an (laughs) Angelfire.
2: Our
0: OKCupid profile.
2: Everything else you
0: guys will be able to find on fanboysanonymous.com, obviously, so pay attention to that and stay tuned for everything else we have coming your way. On behalf of not only just myself, but everyone on the panel for this evening, as well as all the other fanboys and fangirls that could not be here tonight, I'm Tony Mango, and no matter what, positive or negative, I am a fanboy. This meeting is adjourned. See you next time, everybody.